0: Hello and welcome to another edition of 99 Questions. I am your host, Bob Buell. Uh, this is of course an oddly numbered interview show where we ask all sorts of interesting people interesting questions and join with me today from triple click from strong songs from <laughs> the genre of music in general Mr Kirk Hamilton Kirk Hey how are you Hello. today
1: Hello I'm great Bob how are you doing Oh just wonderful even better now <laughs> nice, same, same. It's very, I'm very happy to be here. I'm excited to answer some questions. Oh. And, uh, yeah, this this should be a delight. So thanks for having me, and I'm I'm glad to be here. Oh,
0: pleasure is all mine. I, I, I'm very excited. I have some very excited fans that you are on this show, oh, uh, who nice may or may not have submitted some questions a little bit later, oh, but we'll okay. get to it. Uh But first, we, of course, have to have a couple uh, uh, ground rules, a couple terms and conditions, if you will, mm-hmm. um... So uh, uh, rule number one, take as much time or as little time as you need to answer the questions. If a yes or a no suffices, give me a yes or a no. If a short story about your life helps us get a better understanding <laughs> of that answer, I want to hear that story. All right. Uh, Grand rule number two, yeah, this isn't, you know, this isn't a, a, a gotcha interview by any means. I don't think there's anything too crazy in this list. But if there's a question you don't want to answer for whatever reason, just rubs you the wrong way. You can pass. No judgment. we Will pass. Cool. And Grand Rule Number Three, despite the name of the show being Ninety Nine Questions, there might be a follow-up. There might be a <laughs> prompt. I might just ask you one off the cuff. I've uh, got a ticker here going, oh Bob, no. if we hit
1: ninety-nine, that's it. I'm pulling the plug. I'm walking away. I already away. <laughs> asked
0: how you're doing. I'm already down. Right, that's wall. one. <laughs> oh,
1: <no. laughs> I'm blowing it
0: already. All right. Well, the, the second, I suppose, of those non-questions, Kirk, are you ready?
1: I am so ready. Oh. That's two. <laughs> All
0: right. Some of these, sorry, community, some of your questions might have to get shaved off toward the end. Uh, <laughs> question number one, what's the perfect
1: breakfast? Okay. So I think that a breakfast should have a lot of possibilities. This is not the breakfast that I eat every morning, mm-hmm. but um, I've put a lot of thought into breakfast. Like when I go to brunch or whatever and really can take my like back when brunch was possible. Mm-hmm. So I would say eggs over easy, toast, a side of bacon, as long as I'm still eating meat, which I still technically am, a nice, good, strong cup of coffee, and a glass of OJ. Two beverages, multiple things to be eating from, and I can kind of move around and like hunt and peck. So it's not just one big bowl of something. It's a lot of variety.
0: I love it. I fully agree. The orange juice and a cup of coffee mm. is like classic, like yep. diner-style breakfast. Yep. Ah, mm-hmm. Perfection. Agree. Uh, question
1: number two. Who's the coolest dude? Uh, Demi Adejwebe, probably the coolest dude, oh. I would say. He's such a cool dude. Every time he's out there doing something, it's cool. He's funny. He doesn't take himself too seriously. He's... Ah oh, man, he gave a he gave a talk about jazz. This is he's a comedian writer on a bunch of TV shows, an incredible internet presence. Yeah. He gave this talk about jazz at um a festival they do in Portland called XOXO a few years ago. <laughs> and it was essentially just a joke talk. Like there's kind of Ted style talks, though they're kind of more low key at this festival. And the whole talk was just like about how jazz is bad music for sociopaths <laughs> and like he took out a clarinet at one point and like doesn't know how to play clarinet like he just got it it was amazing everything he does is cool and he has there's just an element of like kind coolness to him so he yeah. is the coolest dude I think Demi Adesribe great guy cool dude I love that answer so much
0: and he's on a short list maybe for this podcast that oh man to he'd have be on. a great guest on oh, this I... show he
1: would give you very
0: good answers <laughs> uh question number three steak Chicken or
1: fish? So, I guess I'm gonna say fish, and it's because I mentioned the thing earlier with the bacon. But I've been sort of wrestling with meat more and more. Mm. You know how you you wonder what's the thing that we're gonna look back on, and like our kids are gonna be like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you did that." The way that we'll look back on whatever Jim Crow laws and ask how our grandparents lived with that. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's eating meat is gonna be the thing where it's like, "You did what?" Like you, like grand uncle kirk like you just ate pork did you not know what they were doing to the pigs and i like do like eating meat but i'm struggling with it more and more which means i'm going to say fish because i feel most okay about eating fish even <laughs> though i still do eat uh steak and chicken so that's maybe an unfortunately moralizing answer <laughs> and the answer might be none of the above at some point but for yeah. now it's fish
0: hey it's it's realizing that that is the problem is yeah. it, you know it's part of the solution it's at least the of it. it's yeah. the easiest part of the solution <laughs> it's a step in the right direction i won't fight you on that that's true uh question number four what's the best gift you've ever
1: gotten so okay they i think the answer to this is gonna be um my first saxophone and this is an alto saxophone that my parents gave me as a christmas gift that i think i paid for half of like i'd been saving for it but didn't know they were going to get it so i had this whole thing where i was like i really want to get an alto saxophone and i was super serious about music and the thing where your parents are like that's a really expensive thing you know you're gonna have to really show you're serious about this and we had these long discussions like okay well if you can save up half the money you know, we'll get the other half. And I was really big in band; and it was a thing for school, so I was like really into it. But I didn't know they were planning to get one, and then they they got me a one for uh, Christmas one year. I was probably like maybe a freshman in high school or an eighth grader maybe. And it was just so exciting. They kind of hit it and I had to go find it on this little scavenger hunt. And then it was this beautiful instrument that then I could play. And it wasn't just like a fun toy or something. It was this amazing thing that I could take with me to school and use as part of music, which I was completely falling in love with. And I still have it. It's still the alto saxophone oh. that I play. Um, and uh, so I would say that is is—it's kind of a kind of an easy one really i guess that's the, that's the best gift i've ever gotten that's colossal though like that sounds so
0: phenomenal and, and a, the fact yeah, that you still a, have it is like
1: it was a it's a good horn like you know I, i've been thinking <laughs> about getting a kind of a different alto because it's like a intermediate yamaha alto but it's really like every time i pick it up i'm like i just need to take this into the shop get it worked out a little bit this will be a beautiful horn like it's i can sound great on this thing so
0: yeah oh that's amazing
1: uh question number
0: five
1: best gift you've ever given Okay, Um, this is tough. I'm bad at gifts. I feel like everybody says that probably, but I'm bad at gifts Are hard. Um, My partner Emily's really good at gifts and for her birthday, I guess this was last year, I wanted to do something special. And so this is going to sound really corny and also maybe sound like an endorsement, but I use this site called Tribute, which does these, it lets you, there's a bunch of sites like this that I think are all similar. So, uh, you know, if the owner of Tribute is, like, a neo-Nazi or something, like, you know, (laughs) use a different one. Um, But I'm assuming they're nice people because it's a nice service. But um, they uh, – you, like, can send out an email to a bunch of people, like a big list of friends. And then they all record little video messages for a person. And then it kind of assembles them into a video that you then play for that person, which is a really basic idea. And um, I did one for a friend uh, for his 50th birthday. And I was like, it was so cool. Like just knowing, just even recording my part of it. I don't even think I saw the finished video. I was just like, this is going to be amazing because I hadn't seen him in a long time. He lives in San Francisco. You know, we, we see each other sometimes, but it was, I got to just record this message to him and I was like, I bet he's going to get messages. Plus, you know, he's old, he's older than I am. He's you know, so he's got fifty years worth of friends that are sending him messages. <laughs> so I I made one for Emily and it was a fun process for me because I get to reach out to all these people that I didn't know, you know, friends of hers from school, plus her folks and her family, and then get this really cool video of all of these people, some of whom I'd never met, talking, telling their stories about her and talking about her. And it was really wonderful. It sounds corny. Because Aww. it's you know the gift of friendship or or whatever memory, but it really was really really cool, and it's the kind of thing especially right now because people are so removed from one another. If you're thinking about gifts, you could do worse. It takes some planning and some work, but honestly, it's uh it was, it was pretty worth it was worth doing.
0: That sounds amazing. What a it was what a nice. cool feature that we can't vouch for the website. We can't we
1: can't. <laughs> Maybe they're gonna get milkshake duck tomorrow. No, we don't know.
0: We don't know. We don't know. They seem nice. <laughs>
1: On paper. (laughs) On paper. It's a good service anyway.
0: I love that. Uh, Question number six. What did you want to do
1: for a living when you were a kid? So, okay. I I know for a while I thought that lawyers were cool because my mom was a lawyer. My mom was a public defender. So she was like, not the kind of lawyer that people think of when they think of lawyers, but I thought that was really cool. So I think for a little while I was like, maybe I'll be a lawyer. And before that, I do remember I liked to dance (laughs) I'm a terrible dancer now, but I like to dance and I would just dance for everybody like after dinner, <laughs> like for the family. I would just get up and dance to something. And I remember thinking, I could be a dancer. <laughs> I could, that's a job. Maybe I'll be a dancer. And I don't know if I ever really thought I would do that for a living, but I do remember thinking. You know, I could be a dancer. It's so an I option. Yeah. A, maybe a dancing lawyer. Maybe that's my answer. Oh, as soon as people finish <laughs> dinner, you just go in and litigate cases yeah. and dance for them. Right, right, right. <laughs> I lay out some precedent and some uh, sick moves.
0: I think it's perfect. It's an untapped market, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Uh,
0: question seven. What's the largest animal you can beat in a fight?
1: I guess A dog. Right. Because like that's the animal that maybe you'd have to fight sometime Mm. Come across a dog that's misbehaving. And I've had that thought where a dog gets weird for whatever reason, like they're on your property, but they think you're on theirs and they kind of get threatening. And that question of like, okay, if I really had to do this right now, could I take this dog? And I think I probably could because I'm not a small guy and I think I could handle most dogs, even though. You know, I bet a dog kind of turns into a toothy killing machine when the time comes to it. So probably a dog. It's about as big as I would go.
0: I think that's fair.
1: Yeah. Uh, Question eight. Who's someone you look up to? There are so many people. Um, But let's see. There's a writer. There's a critic. One of the best critics working, I think, is Wesley Morris. Mm-hmm. Who is a uh, film critic, cultural critic? He does. He co-hosts the podcast Still Processing for the New York Times, but he also just writes the New York Times. He's written some of the best stuff about music and race in America. He's an amazing critic in general. I've been reading him forever. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'd say I look up to him. He's he's like a very aspirational writer. He's just like a really really good critic. He's written, some, man. He wrote a thing about Aretha Franklin. It's like the best thing I've ever read about her. He's a he's just like a great. He's a really thoughtful guy. And uh someone that I look up to, so sure. Let's say Wesley Morris for that. I love it.
0: Uh question number nine. We're getting into the music block of questions here, and I'm very oh, interested. Boy. Uh first album you bought with your own money.
1: Oh man. Um I think that <laughs> I listened to bad music when I was a kid. Or, no, that's not true. It was some of it was good. I listened to corny music. Um <laughs> I I think I bought MC Hammer's like please hammer don't hurt him on CD. I don't know if that was the first thing I ever bought. It might have been the Weird Al Yankovic soundtrack for UHF the movie. Wow, I'm not sure if that was first. It was on cassette. Dating myself (laughs) here, and I remember that my neighbor had sung me the word. There's a song Attack of the Radioactive Planet or Hamsters from a Planet Near Mars. And it's not even in the movie, I don't think, but it's on that soundtrack. And I remember him singing it and being like, "Uh, they're, they're back, whatever the lyrics are, and they're looking for a snack. They think the whole damn world is their salad bar. And I remember as a kid, I was like, oh, he says damn. And then I confessed that to my dad. I was like, I really want to get this album, but he does say damn. And my dad was like, thank you for telling me it's okay. And then he doesn't even say damn in the song. <laughs> And I, I think, so I think that, we'll say that was, that was the first one. I, Weird Al Yankovic, UHF soundtrack. Weird Al comes up so much
0: on that question. The first album yeah. people bought, he's just like, I think he's so great for
1: all ages. He's he's a magical and, man. And for like certain nerdy types of people of a certain age demographic, like yeah. he was a very formative musician, I think for a lot, for a lot of us. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, question 10. What's your go-to karaoke song? Okay. I do more karaoke now than I used to, um, and I do have some go-to's. I think my go-to, it kind of depends, right? Because you got to have, like, there's songs for different parts of the night, but my go-to opener is usually Matinee by Franz Ferdinand because it has a lot of good sections and different kind of energy levels. But it's kind of a dance tune. People really get into it. A lot of people don't know it. It lets me do a fake British accent, and that's fun. <laughs> I do also like to sing You'll Be Back from Hamilton, I feel like that's kind of the one song that a white guy can sing at karaoke from Hamilton because <laughs> it's the king's song. And it's also just a great song and really fun. Yeah. Uh, but I'd say uh Matinee. I guess I sing songs with British accents. Yeah, at karaoke love that's it. my thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Great choices. Great choices.
1: Uh question eleven. What's the last song that you listen to? Okay. So I looked at this I wrote this one down because this is an artist that I did not know. It's a song called Cowrie by Angelique Kidjo who is a singer I didn't know. I'm in a listening club with some friends, and then I go on walks every morning and listen to an album. That's like how I start my day. Brilliant uh, idea. Great way to start your day. I really recommend it. And in this listening club, it's like different groups of us, like sort of three of us will pick an album each week, and then we listen to the whole album and talk about it. And my buddy Russ picked this album. This is a singer from Benin, which is in West Africa, mm. not somewhere I was super familiar with. I'm increasingly learning about different regional music from Africa because some of my, uh, you know, friends in this group pick artists. She is amazing. Holy crap. This oh my God. Um Angelique Kijo is her name. Check her out. Like I was just like I had a grin on my face the entire time listening to this album. Just super killer stuff. Like rhythmically wow. awesome. So well recorded. She's got this bananas voice, like really, really wonderful music. So that's oh. the last song I listened to. That's amazing. I I, yeah. I love hearing
0: music that I've never even heard anything similar to and and that's yeah. kind of
1: man there's so much good pop music coming out of west africa and i mean there's great ethiopian pop music i've been listening to a bunch of sort of malayan uh, from mali uh, guitar players wow. from like the 60s and 70s there's a lot of good stuff and it's stuff that i am i think a lot of people in america are really ignorant of and it's there's so much good music and of course that's <laughs> where a lot of the music of the world came from. So it's, it's cool to kind of um, get a little more specific and investigate different, uh, different parts of that region of the world.
0: I love it. Uh, Question 12. What's a band or musical artist you want to hear more from?
1: Okay. Uh, This is another one that I thought about a little bit. So I listen to a lot of music these days, a lot of new music. There's a singer named Fatai. F-A-T-A-I. She's an Australian guitarist vocalist. She's a kind of on YouTube. She's fairly known, but she's pretty young. She has some new albums out. She's really, really good. Huh. And she doesn't have a ton of music. So a listener of Strong Songs wrote in to ask me about like the counting on one of her songs, and that was what got me hip to her. And I, she has an EP that just kills. It's just her playing guitar and singing, and then a keyboard player. He's kind of playing like an organ sound, and that's it. And it's so good. It's so hip. Wow. And I just want to hear more from her and, like, for her to release, you know, albums with a full band and, like, just more fleshed out stuff and just really get to have the career that she's clearly going to because she's just, like, got the thing. Like, you hear her and it's <laughs> like, oh, okay, yeah, she's going to be a big deal. Uh, so I would say Fati is my answer to that question. Fantastic. Opening some... I was gonna say opening some eyes, but opening ears? That's not opening a phrase. Ears. It's one of the things I try to do. Opening uh, ears is a thing. Is it? Okay. Like, yeah, that's, that's something you can do.
0: <laughs> uh question thirteen. What's a song that brings the most emotion out of you? Man,
1: so this is like so can I just I feel like I could list ten things, but I'll say <laughs> Um, I did a recent. I recently did an episode on "Hide and Seek" by Imogen Heap, mm. uh, which is the like beautiful, digitally harmonized song that she does. It's just her voice with this sort of robot choir. Uh, it was a really fun episode to make. That song has always really kind of wrecked me emotionally. It's just this beautiful song because she's so present in it, even though it's just it's got this robot thing disguising her voice. You can still hear her, her breathing. Like it just sounds like you're in this room and it just recorded it. It has a very casual sound that's really intimate. And I think it's such a sad song. Um, and so abstractly sad that I think it can be about anything. Like anyone can listen to that song and kind of figure out what it's about. It's just like, you're like looking at something that's gone and lost and has moved on and you're sad about it. And everyone has felt that way. So that song, um, It really makes me emotional sometimes when I listen to it, especially when I really turn it up and listen on headphones, and you can hear all the little sounds in the background. So yeah, Imogen Heap hide and seek. That's amazing. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Imogen Heap like reach out to you online somehow, (laughs) saying like, "This was how great was this episode or something"? I want to listen to the freaking episode. She tweeted it out, and it was like, yeah, it was ridiculous. It's always, (laughs) it's cool. That's happened once before when um. Uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda tweeted out my, the episode I did about Hamilton and oh, was like, so love cool. the podcast or something. And I was like, okay, Lin-Manuel Miranda, <laughs> cool. Like, Thanks for listening to me. Hopefully not, you know, mangling an uh, explanation of the harmony of your <laughs> song. Um, so this is kind of a similar feeling where I always feel a little terrified knowing that the person who wrote the song listened to me really gets so in-depth that I'm sure there are things that I get wrong or like, you know, mis- mischaracterize. Or like reasons that they did things that weren't at all what I think they're like. I didn't even know I was doing that and you're ascribing all of this motivation to me, but she seemed to really like it, and that was really, really cool. And uh yeah, so that was extremely nice.
0: That's so cool. So cool. Uh question
1: fourteen, what's your favorite music video? Okay. This one's a tie. Can I say multi can I say three? Absolutely. Say, you can. Okay. <laughs> so three of my favorite music videos i don't watch enough music videos anymore but three of them are one is the fat boy slim video for weapon of choice have you ever seen all this video?
0: time great
1: christopher walken one of the greatest videos ever yep. made um christopher walken in a hotel it just it's great i'll watch it forever. for some reason unbeknownst and that it's this <laughs> transcendent moment it's a funny video until that point and then it becomes a beautiful all-time classic i think when he flies that's when you're like, oh, okay, this is the best music video I've ever seen. Um, Number two, okay, go. There it goes again, where they're on the treadmills. Come on, like, those guys have made a lot of cool videos, but that video, it's like the original DIY. Like, how this is just powered by our cleverness, and that's it. Like, we didn't have a huge budget, we just had some treadmills and our amazing brains. And a perfect choreography. And our, yeah, our, (laughs) yeah, and hours and hours of rehearsal. (laughs) Um, And then number three, I bet this one maybe is one that that fewer listeners will have seen. Janelle Monae's video for Cold War, which is maybe not as well known as some of her other videos. This video is, this is from Archie Android, one of my favorite albums of all time. The song Rips, it comes on, I think, right before Tightrope, but maybe it's right after, I can't remember. But the whole video is just her essentially uh, she, no, she looks like she's naked, but you can't tell because it's, like, from the sort of shoulders up. Okay. So it's just her face, her amazing face, and her shoulders. And then she is just singing this song straight into the camera for the whole time. Wow. And I almost don't want to spoil it. Like, it's not – there's not some weird twist. Her face doesn't come off or anything. It really is just her staring into the camera, singing this awesome, like, ripping song. That song just smokes. And she's just wailing – But as it goes, it builds and builds to this thing. And, like, it's amazing. Everyone should watch it. The Janelle Monae video for Cold War. It's one of the greatest videos I've ever seen. I was, like, spellbound the first time I saw it. It was right when I was discovering her. And I was like, holy shit. Like, who is this woman? And, like, how can someone do that just with a camera and, like, their face? It's really something else.
0: Yeah. It sounds like the bravest music video you could possibly do because it's so It it is. That's what's, yes.
1: That's the power of it is that she's totally just – it's just her – And you're it's just you're right there with her and you can't look away because she just pulls you in and won't let go for the whole song. And it's really powerful and amazing.
0: Amazing. Uh, Question 15.
1: You got a million dollars, but you have to donate it all to charity. What charity is it going to? Nice. Uh, Sweet. Good on me for getting a million dollars and making that (laughs) responsible decision with it. Uh, More people should do that with their millions of dollars. Uh, Does it have to be a charity? I think there's two groups in Portland that I would give money to join, who is this great sort of homeless advocacy group in Portland. And Street Roots is really cool, too. They're a publication that um, they work with uh, homeless individuals and have them sell newspapers. So they print their own newspaper and they write about local issues and activism and stuff. And then you can buy newspapers from people who then will hang out and are like their kind of vendors around town. And it's a way of sort of giving people work and like helping them get going again. And they're really cool. The people who run them are awesome. So I'd say those are to organizations that are local that I try to support whenever I can. And if I had a million dollars, I would certainly love to give it to either of them. Uh, Tremendous. Both tremendous. Uh, 16, favorite holiday. Okay. So more and more holidays are increasingly problematic these days. (laughs) Like, there's always something about... A lot of holidays where I'm like, oh, like, so Thanksgiving, huh? (laughs) You know, (laughs) like, I really like that turkey, but uh, the sort of history of it sort of sucks. But I'm going to say Halloween because Halloween just rules. It's like pagan, you know, dress up in costumes and uh, eat candy. What's not to like? Halloween. It's checking every box, it's all there. It's the best one.
0: Uh, 17. What's your go to drink when you walk into a coffee shop?
1: Um this is boring, but I I like a latte. Like a good latte. We'll drink it.
0: Nothing wrong with that. Uh eighteen, spell the word gray.
1: Okay. Um I think if, I feel like I've used both. <laughs> uh I'm gonna say G R A Y. But then I mean sometimes if it's a person's name, I guess G-R-E-Y. There are like times where I'll use E Y. I don't think I'm consistent with this, but I think that it's A. Okay.
0: I think if I had to, it would be A. If if forced, in some sort if of question-asking scenario. Right, if
1: I were, like, on a podcast say, <laughs> where they ask me questions and they ask me how to spell it, I would say A-Y. That's an interesting choice. Interesting choice. Lots okay, of people across the country much. are
0: marking down notes on that very uh-huh, question. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, 19,
1: what's your prized possession? Um, My tenor saxophone. Which is a Selmer Mark VI, a beautiful instrument. Mm. Or these days, also my—I have my dad's old drum set, which is a 1960s Ludwig. Oh. Like it's just—I he was the only person who owned it, and now I own it. It's a beautiful drum set. The snare drum, the superphonic, is this like incredible snare drum that I didn't even know how nice it was until I got it refurbished. So I—I I do really treasure that, especially because it was his. And then my, yeah, my tenor—it's a beautiful instrument, and I uh, feel very lucky to get to play it. Amazing, yeah.
0: Uh, 20, are you competitive?
1: Hmm. No, I don't think so. Not usually, but then sometimes I surprise myself. Hmm. Like there will be times, like I don't think of myself as competitive. Usually I'm like, I'm happy where I am. I see someone else who's doing well. I'm like, that's cool. That's good for them. And I don't feel that like, oh, I want to, I want to be doing that. But then there are times where, I'll just see someone, you know, like doing a thing that I do, like they'll be playing music and they're like real good or they're, you know, and I'm just like, "Mm," like, I want to be as good as that person. Like, (laughs) I want to do that. Like, I you know, and it kind of lights that fire, which which can be good. I could probably stand to be a little more competitive, but I'd say that not generally. No, not super competitive. Twenty one. Do you consider golf a sport? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like distinction, like label arguments are hard right it's sort of like genre arguments in music oh yeah like is this really metal you know <laughs> like which is a like thrash I'm... metal this is trash right. metal like this is crabcore. <laughs> um yeah and i so it's always kind of like well what is anything like it's just it is what it is but yeah sure golf is totally a sport it's you know a competitive f- physical activity thing where you go outside and like have to be able to do a thing in the real world and they're scored and you have to be better than other people at it. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a sport. Yeah, why not? Uh, why not? <laughs> 22, have you ever played any sports? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like competitively. I yeah. I was a swimmer in high school, so I was pretty serious oh, about swimming. Nice. I swam in the Indiana State uh relay, I think our two hundred medley relay like made the state. So I shaved my head and shaved my arms and did the thing. Wow. And then, you know, stopped competitively swimming in college. But I but I but I did it in high school. So swimming, yes, that was my sport. Great sport. Impressive. Uh twenty three favorite sport to watch. Um, I like watching esports, but I'm not gonna count esports, even though I know <laughs> that's kind of a kind of a controversial subject um basketball. ESPN. I count it. <laughs> that's true they're there they count i'd say basketball though um especially live basketball i've got um sometimes uh, my jason schreier my triple click co-host yeah he will occasionally he knows a guy who like sometimes there's like this pool of free uh, nba tickets where he'll be like hey i like do you want two tickets to the to the um, Blazers game tonight in Portland like I just have access to these two tickets and if you want them they're yours and so I'll go and I've gone a couple times and they're good seats because they're like there's a whole thing in the NBA I guess there's like a draft because every game sets aside a certain number of seats for like the commissioner or somebody but obviously he doesn't go to or he or she hopefully in the future um, doesn't go to every uh, NBA game so there's just this block of seats that just are up for grabs at most games And so I'll get and I've gotten to go a couple times and just watch a Blazers game from pretty close, and it's so cool going and seeing a game like that live. Like it, like I grew up in Indiana. I've loved basketball. I'm terrible at it, but I grew up watching basketball and liking basketball. But there's something about just sitting right there when people who are that good at basketball, who are you know these like 19 foot tall. (laughs) Uber athletes, like who can just do the most amazing stuff. But when they're all on the court together, they're all kind of look the same height. So it kind of just feels casual. Like it's just some people playing basketball and everyone's cheering, but it's usually not a huge game or anything like there's People there and everyone's excited, but it's just the regular season. And I found it really calming and really fun in a way that watching basketball on TV totally isn't because there's ads and like announcers, there's so much more noise. It's all compressed and jacked up. And the crowd is so loud. Seeing it live, it's way more like, all right, just watching some people play a cool game that they're really good at. And I find that really pleasing. And then I think that the basketball itself is just a fascinating sport because it's so fluid Mm -hmm. and it happens so live. And I've, I've always really enjoyed that as much as I I do like watching football. um, And, you know, I don't love a lot of things about football and football culture. And I find basketball a little cooler in that way too. So like the flow and vibe of basketball, just do it for me. So basketball. I like it. Uh,
0: 24 theme parks. That's the question.
1: (laughs) Theme parks with two words with a question mark at the end. Yeah. So I guess I like them. I mean, I like roller coasters, so I guess I do like them. Uh, I don't get the Disney thing. I mean, right now, <laughs> nobody's going anywhere, but I don't get the thing where, like, people are really into Disney. Like, I, I, I respect it. It's cool. Like, everyone's into different things. Yeah. But uh, the Disney part of it was never the appeal. I want to go and then, like, fear for my life in a controlled environment, I guess. <laughs> That's the thing I like. But I just I never thought I did, and then I discovered I did. Um, in Ohio, there's a theme, car, a theme park called King's Island oh. that our band would go to every year. Like, the whole band would just go on a trip, and that was where I discovered, like, oh. It's really fun to get on a roller coaster and just scream for, you know, 5 minutes. Yeah. Um so yeah, I'll say yes. My answer is yes. Okay. I've never gotten the Disney thing either. Maybe I missed a boat when yeah. I was a
0: kid. Like Yeah, but... I
1: think that's part of it if it's like a really important part of your childhood. And there's all the like trivia. Like I'll watch, I like Lindsay Ellis, great YouTuber. She yeah. knows a ton about Disney and her Disney stuff is great because it's really informative. There was a really good episode or a series of You Must Remember This, that podcast mm. about um, Karina Longworth's podcast about uh, Song of the South. And it was this whole story of Song of the South, which is the super racist, now basically unavailable Disney movie yeah. um, that had zippity doo and sort of introduced a lot of these tropes that now are nowhere to be found. It's not on Disney+. And it was the whole story of that. And that was really interesting. It was all this sort of behind the scenes at Disney, the real truth of Disney as it developed through the 30s and 40s and 50s. And that stuff is cool. I'm into that. But that's not the same as like, yeah. you know, I want to get married in front of in <laughs> front of the whatever Magic Mountain. And like I have Disney paraphernalia all over my house. And I don't mean to make fun of people who feel that way. Oh, if you love it, you love it. People love all kinds of things, you know. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I've never fully gotten
0: it. Yeah. I've got all, I got all sort of Mega Man junk lying around <laughs> right. my house. Like, I right, can't blame right. them for having a Mickey Mouse or whatever. Yeah. Uh, 25. Dubbed the Ron Bennington after famous radio personality. You're standing in a wrestling ring and a wave of nine-year-olds. Random mix of boys and girls are coming down to the ring to fight you. How many nine-year-olds could you beat in this fight?
1: <laughs> this is such a grim scenario. Um, just because... <laughs> I would at least beat a few, and then I would have been, like, beaten up a bunch of nine-year-olds. Like, my niece was just a nine-year-old. I wouldn't want to fight a nine-year-old. I'd feel terrible. I would say, logistically, four or five. Maybe not even that many, because I would start to feel so bad, (laughs) like, after two or three. I'd be like, I can't do this. Even though they would then beat me up, I presume. Um, I would just kind of take a fetal position and hide, because, like... I can't beat up kids at first i'd be like okay i'm up for this and then maybe it would only be one because you'd like kind of the morale you know, punch a kid it. and then you'd be like i just punched a nine-year-old i can't do this <laughs> I'm like it would be enough to make you realize the gravity of, of of what you were doing of what i was doing so maybe one is my answer then. <laughs> so
0: physically four physically four maybe one. five before they overwhelm me yeah i like that uh 26 what's a game you know you can win
1: Um, this is hard. I don't think there are any. And that's, I only say that because, you know, when you, like I play a lot of games and know a lot of people who play games and I'm at least like not a professional gamer, but I am a video game player who plays a lot of games with a lot of people. And if you do that long enough, you learn that there's someone who's better than you at every game. And there, I just don't think there's anything that I could say that I have such skill at that I'll just win every time. Um, so I think maybe my answer is there aren't any. There's no um, game that I know I can win. I
0: like it. It's very very esoteric.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's true, though. You know, I, it's it's true. very true. I don't think so.
0: I used to think I was really good at Tetris, and then I watched some of those
1: speedrun things on <laughs> no YouTube, and I'm yet. like, I'm not that good oh. at Tetris. <laughs> yep, yep. Oh, man, I had that same experience. When Tetris, uh, whatchamacallit, the incredible music one came out. What's it called? Oh, Tetris, Tetris effect. effect. I love that. God, that game is so good. When that came out, I was like, I want to play this and then um, Paul Tameo, who used to work at Kotaku with me, is like a Tetris ninja. Dude is so good at Tetris. And he was just making videos of himself playing. And I was watching him play and I was like, oh, so this is like a musical instrument or like rock band or something. like It's one of those things where you can learn the language of it and then you are on a completely other you just see like it different. Plane of existence, yeah. Like you see the matrix. And then of course like the video of the guy who played invisibly and like oh. you know, it like was just somehow like I don't still don't really fully understand that. <laughs> like so. beyond
0: me, but it is
1: Yeah. Yep. Insanely impressive.
0: Uh yeah. Uh let's see. Twenty seven. What's a topic you can discuss the most? Music. That one's easy. We yeah. <laughs> can talk about music forever. <laughs> Twenty eight favorite place you visited?
1: um paris france loved paris what a city would love to go back there sometime it was really beautiful i hear good things uh 29 what's your catchphrase i wouldn't have had an answer to this until a few years ago but i would say that my catchphrase is something that i say on strong songs and that is ears on and i'll tell people all right we're gonna listen to this Ears on, and then we do it. And I think that kind of it's it's cheesy, but it it does kind of sum up the show. You know, you I try to get people to put their ears on and and to open their ears in the way we were talking about earlier. Yeah. So I would say that's that's probably my catchphrase: is ears on.
0: I think that's a great one. I can t- I can tell you on several different episodes of your show, there are times where I'm like. Like squeezing my headphones just a little bit are. closer because nice. I'm like, good. That's like,
1: good. He's like oh, there's a chair squeaking. I want to make sure I hear the chair squeaking. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, old, the old day in the life chair squeaking. Yeah, that's a good one. I love it.
0: Uh, question ba, 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 31. Uh,
1: 30? 30. What's the best costume or cosplay you've ever worn? Okay. I'm bad at dressing up for Halloween. It's a fault that I... That I judge myself harshly for because i don't like people who are bad at dressing up but one year this was my freshman year in music school i went to music school in miami at the university of miami this was me and a bunch of other jazz dorks and we dress up as the backstreet boys for halloween yes this was in 1999 i was a freshman and we went to uh coconut grove which is a little part of miami and there's a big sort of street thing like everyone goes there all the young people are out partying and for halloween we were dressed as the backstreet boys i was is his name brian the kind of boring one (laughs) but like whatever he's like he's kind of dull compared to you know aj wasn't he he was the one with all the tattoos oh yeah Nick the, the I think is the main guy. Yeah. And we had a jazz vocal major was our Nick. He was our leader and we learned an a cappella version of I Want It That Way, aka the best boy band song ever mm-hmm. and we would perform it and we like worked out a little choreography and <laughs> this it was the closest I've ever come to feeling legitimately famous. People lost their minds. Like Women were screaming like we were the actual Backstreet Boys oh everywhere we went God. because people would recognize us and then they would just immediately get into it and pretend that we were the Backstreet Boys because it was so fun. <laughs> and it was like kind of the peak of their hotness or like right around then, Yeah. And it was such a hilarious experience. Like dirty looks from dudes who are like fuck these guys and like you know just scream with girls can be like let me take a picture with you oh my god AJ you're my favorite and we're just these like scrubby 19 year old jazz majors but we're kind of dressed up and we worked out the little thing and it was super super fun I just was like on such a high from it all night just it was I wasn't sure about it until we went and did it and then it wound up being so much more fun and so much funnier than I could have expected so that's got to be the best the best costume I ever wore.
0: I can see why you don't wear it too much often after that,
1: because it's like you've peaked. You've yeah, it's true. It's never going to be thing. better than that. No, it's it's true, You're not, and we're never going to do better than that. That was a, it was an early peak.
0: Bravo. Uh,
1: Thirty-one. Have you ever had anything named after you? I don't think so. Not that I know of. Okay. So I think the answer is no.
0: Fair enough. Uh, Thirty-two. Hobby you've dedicated
1: the most time to. This one's tricky, right? Because, mm. I mean, music and video games are a lot of people's hobbies, but those are also my main professional pursuits. And, like, kind of music is, like, my life's ambition. So I wouldn't call it a hobby. But then you get into that weird thing that I think people sometimes fall into where your hobby is your main thing. Yeah. And then you find that you don't have hobbies. Where, like, maybe my hobby is, like, yoga or something. Like, something I'm not good at, but I just do and think is cool. Yeah. But then is that really a hobby? And maybe I need a hobby. <laughs> so then I'm like, I think maybe I need a hobby. <laughs> but it's just hard. It's hard in this... Our, our generation and our culture, it's so hard to not feel like you're being told that every turn to turn all of your hobbies into productive exercises in, like, you know, professional whatever, like, uh, ambition. Yeah. And I... It would be cool to p- to find something that, like, I just don't think of that way. I guess, like, backpacking and camping, it's kind of a hobby. Like, it, it's something that Emily and I, my partner and I, both take, you know, seriously and are into and do and really plan it out and are, like, getting good at going and living in the woods for a few days. That's kind of a hobby. And it's not yeah. something that I, you know, I'm not going to start making a backpacking podcast or something <laughs> or try to turn it into, into money. So maybe that counts. That feels like a weak answer, though. I think the answer is I need more hobbies. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a very introspective kind of answer mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. perhaps there's more. Yeah, just a thing to do.
0: Uh thirty-three. Who's a celebrity
1: you've had a crush on? This one was this one was interesting. It was sort of it's I, I was thinking about this one earlier. Um I guess I had a crush on Rachel Weisz, the actor, Ah. when I was like first getting into real movies because she's like in so many serious movies and she's so beautiful and such a great actor. And I think I was just like, man, I want to get a coffee with her. (laughs) Like it was just kind (laughs) of that feeling of like she's just so beautiful and smart and awesome and, you know, like whatever. And is in all these like adult movies that are like challenging what I think a movie can be. So, yeah, I guess I guess that's my answer. Rachel Weisz. Amazing. I want to
0: get a coffee with her. That's a you
1: know that feeling though. You're like, I bet she's got all these great stories. Oh, a thousand so... percent. Yeah. Uh, yep. Uh, Thirty-four. What's the strangest job you've ever had? Okay. So when I was in school in Miami mm-hmm. uh, studying jazz saxophone, I most of the gigs that I played, I, I mostly made money teaching lessons and gigging, uh, and most of the gigs were just like whatever. Go play a jazz casual at some art show or something. Yeah. Get a couple hundred bucks for playing all night. And that's it. But I had a regular gig at a place called Touch Um that was a restaurant, like a really fancy restaurant on Lincoln Road on in South Beach. Lincoln Road is this like really cool outdoor mall kind of street okay. where there's like all these art galleries and really high falutin restaurants. This place Touch was the food was apparently great. I almost never ate there. It was very expensive. But they had on stage entertainment. So there was a DJ, there's like a little stage, it's a DJ, there's like a percussionist, someone playing Conga and just sort of, and it's like just house music. So dun, 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 like kind of <laughs> yeah. like house jazz, whatever that's called, where it's like this sort of jazz samples sometimes, okay. like piano or something. Um, so I would go up every hour. I would play 20 minutes with just like a wireless mic and my saxophone and I'd wear a shiny shirt and I'd stand up there and play. And It was a weird gig. Like, it got weird in a number of ways. Like, famous people would come in sometimes. I remember Janet Jackson came in. Everyone got really weird. And, like, the place kind of, like, you could just tell there was this energy. And I was like, who's coming in? And then I'm playing. I'm looking at it. I'm like, is that Janet Jackson? And (laughs) they're, like, having dinner, you know, ignoring my, like, cheesy sax playing. So it was that kind of thing. There were belly dancers. There was a fire act. Sometimes, like, the belly dancers would come on stage while I was playing. And I would have to, like, play sax with belly dancers. I would get up on the bar so I had to go, they would be like, You gotta get on the bar, man. It's a hot night tonight. And I'd be like, I really don't want to get on the bar. <laughs> and they'd be like, get on the bar. So I would get on the bar and like play saxophone like, you know Coyote
0: kind of, ugly style, like <laughs> Yes, Coyote
1: Ugly style. And it was always I was like, here we fucking go. And I'm like, you know, I'm like 6'3, so I'm like take up a lot of space. And I'm kinda of like, Okay, I gotta get on the bar, and I'm kinda of walking through people being like, Hi, it's it's me, the, the saxophone, the guy who's not the belly dancer. I'm gonna <laughs> get on the bar now and like stand over you and play blues licks for ten minutes. Um, I, I guess people probably liked it. So that was probably the weirdest gig I've ever had. And I'd say the weirdest job. I, so, yeah.
0: That certainly counts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. 35. What's a book
1: you'd recommend the world to read? Oh, You know, I feel like there's a bunch of like how to be a better person, what to do about climate change books that I've been meaning to read that I still haven't <laughs> but uh let me say Miles Davis's autobiography Miles mm. that's a good one I think it's good because a lot of people understand that every type of music that we listen to now derived from jazz and that like the African American musical tradition like black American music is all American music and like that that is true like I think people know at, th- at least at this point they're like okay I know that that's true Yeah, but To really understand what that means, it helps to really go and learn about jazz, which can be intimidating if you don't play an instrument like jazz can seem really complicated or insular. But Miles Davis's autobiography is a crazy ride um, because he was at the vanguard of every jazz movement, like from the 30s to the 40s, the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. He was at the front of everything, like like nobody else. And um, so he had like front row seats to the entire progression of Jazz music, and more broadly, just like of black American music and American music, so you get to see everybody, and he talks shit about everybody in that book. <laughs> <laughs> he was an asshole like i miles was a genius, you know, but a huge prick, and it's pretty entertaining. he like curses in ways you've never heard before. I think like Tony Williams, the drummer's the only person that he doesn't ever say anything bad about, maybe Max Roach to a couple drummers that he was friends with, but that's it, but it's just it's a great read, it's really interesting, it's a cool historical story even if the accuracy of it you know it's very much his side of things yeah. <laughs> let's say but it's a great book and i think people should read it just to understand american history and to get a sense of the sort of experience of you know granted like one of the greatest super like, jazz superstars ever but this, the life of a jazz musician throughout that entire period of time which was like the richest and most ever-changing period in that style of music so yeah miles uh, by miles davis
0: tremendous yeah <laughs> uh 36 a
1: movie that always makes you laugh this is easy uh wet hot american summer funniest movie ever made that's correct it's it's, it just is (laughs) it's just the funniest movie i've ever seen i laugh just thinking about it and i'll watch it anytime any place that's true and one of the best casts like my god Like just every everyone in it, it's like Janine Garofalo's greatest performance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. Maybe yeah, can't get maybe it. Maybe my favorite, David Hyde Pierce. Maybe? I was gonna say he's also good. The whole the scene of them, God, there are scenes like she has facial reactions in that movie that are just among my favorite things ever recorded on film. The scene where they're like waving at each other, and drinking <laughs> yeah. their coffee, and she's like, "I got my coffee," and he's like, oh, "And he's got his coffee," and then like they're it's like that, or when she. She like, and then she looks back at her coffee and she kind of sips it and she's like, "Mm," I don't know. Anyone who's watched the movie knows exactly what I'm talking about, which is like why why it's so great. Because it's a dumb two second exchange, but the movie is so full of them. And I just, it's such a good movie. It's (laughs) phenomenal. Uh, 37, what's the worst movie you've ever seen? Um... You know, for a long time I thought that Joe versus the Volcano was the worst movie I'd ever seen, but I think that maybe that movie is actually awesome. I haven't watched it in so long, and I was a kid. I think I just didn't understand the, like, good badness of it. Yeah. So I'm going to say Bright, that Netflix movie. Oh, I didn't the... watch the whole movie. Yeah. It's bad, man. It's, like, it's really, really bad. Like, I, we stopped watching it. it. It's the same. I think, isn't the guy, the screenwriter, the same guy who made that um uh, the the Suicide Squad because that was also on un- I found that to be unwatchable. Yeah, I Enjoyed that very much. <laughs> Bad movie. So it's kind of got that same just sort of like really ugly movie. It's just like everyone behaves really in an ugly way. There's guns everywhere. It's also like really like racist and shitty really? and like it's just like dude. <laughs> like just watching it, I was like, this movie sucks, <laughs> and I I didn't finish watching it. So hopefully that counts. So I'm gonna say Bright. Totally
0: counts. Totally counts. Uh, Thirty eight. Who's your favorite actor? Or actress,
1: this one is easy. I'm gonna say Carrie Coon, mm. who is an amazing actress. She was the star of The Leftovers, the the best HBO series that most people haven't seen. Have you seen The Leftovers, I have Bob? Not even oh, though man.
0: I'm a huge Lost fan, and everyone tells me that's gonna scratch it an itch. Uh, it is.
1: Oh man, Lindelof, to me, anyways, a, no disrespect to Carlton Cuse, but like Lindelof was. Very much, I think the genius of Lost. Yeah. Because did you see the Watchmen that he made? That Watchmen show? another one they keep telling me, but I don't have Showtime or HBO yet, so I gotta like yeah, I gotta steal someone's it's password. It's tricky, <laughs> yeah, or like get a week trial or something. Yeah, um, totally. if you've read Watchmen, that show is bananas. It's one of the most amazing TV shows I've ever seen. I like loved it, and especially having seen the leftovers, it has a lot of leftovers energy. Leftovers I've been rewatching. Season 1 is kind of tough emotionally in some ways. It's a good show to watch right now. Cuz it's about to listeners who don't know, it's um the premise is based on a book. The first season is and then it kind of diverts from there. But it's about in the world 2% of the world's population just vanishes. And there's no explanation. They just are gone. Hmm. And the whole show is about the aftermath of that. And it's it, so it's like about a world where it's just off, like something inexplicable happened that was a huge loss. So it's a lot of it is about loss and grief. It's kind of can be a really sad show. Yeah. But it's about like just picking up the pieces after this weird thing happened that no one can explain, where some people like lost family members. Carrie Coon's character lost her whole family. So she's like, wow. you know, a sp- extra special person in this world because she like lost so much. And um, she is an unbelievable actor. Like, holy crap. They ask so much of her on that show. She becomes like the emotional centerpiece of it. She's also in the third season of Fargo. She's amazing in that. She was in the Avengers, like the like all the last two Endgame and um, Infinity War. Yeah. She was one of like uh, Thanos's minions. Her name is. She has a sweet name. What's the character's name? It's like Proxima Midnight. She was Proxima Midnight. She fights like. All the female characters in the first one. It's like, I think in one of those scenes where it's like, I have her back. Me too. Girl power. And then they like fight. Um, But you can't see her amazing face at all. And she doesn't get, she's like wearing all this makeup and it's like, ah, you guys had Carrie Coon. She's the best (laughs) actor in this whole damn thing. And you're barely using her, but she is in those. But anyways, Carrie Coon is my favorite actor. She's unbelievable. I would watch her in anything. I love it. Wow. Uh, 39. How cool was it in Jurassic Park when the raptors are running through the kitchen? so cool um i feel like the it's that one shot right what was i just watching where they stole that shot the shot of lexi where she's under the, the reflection it's the long shot and it's kind of like a, are they using a split diopter i just learned about a split diopter so now i'm uh, gonna say split diopter a few times <laughs> where they like have her in focus and the raptor is in focus i guess it's a cgi raptor so and she like is holding the the um is it her or is it her brother i think it's her Maybe it's her brother. Actually, I can't remember. One of them. They're holding the the ladles. They're like all like over their her head, and she's like, <gasps> and like the a dinosaur is there. It's a great scene. So so cool. This is my short version of that long answer correct? <laughs> very much so.
0: <laughs> uh, very cool. Question forty. First show as a kid, you got really into
1: the X Men animated show. Mm. That's got to be a common one, right? Great I, I, that was the first time I like understood the X Men and. I'd kind of read comics, but not really. And then I watched that first episode with Jubilee where she's like on the run from the Sentinels. And I was like, oh my God, like I need to know what happens next. <laughs> and then there were no more episodes. Kids today, they just get to watch the whole thing on Netflix. They get to watch, Anytime there's a new show, it's like yeah. they just get to watch another one. Or they, I had to wait. Or they can just pull up the intro whenever they want on YouTube, which <laughs> yeah, is
0: really that half too. the fun of that
1: show. <laughs> At it's least true. It's, I it's love true. That but in my day, we had to wait until the next Saturday... And then hope there was an episode. I remember there would be weeks where there wasn't one for whatever reason. I'd be like, what the heck, man? Why am I even here? <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's that's it. X-Men animated show. Great show.
0: 41, who should play you in a movie
1: of your life? <laughs> I want to say, like, some really cool, hot actor. And not that this guy isn't really cool and hot, but it's got to be, I, I would have to say Jason Siegel would play me <laughs> in the movie. Only because like I relate to his character in Forgetting Sarah Marshall on a number of levels. It's one of the most accurate depictions of true professional musician, like being a, tr- a professional musician in the truest sense, Interesting. <laughs> like, where you're just writing music you don't even like for people you don't like. <laughs> um, and, and his dreams of writing a puppet musical. I mean, I, I could write a puppet musical. So I'm going to say, just based on that performance, Jason Siegel. Amazing. Uh forty two, maybe an answer we got
0: previously. Who's the biggest celebrity you've ever met in person?
1: Um I haven't I don't know. I don't know if I've met that many celebrities in person. I didn't like meet Janet Jackson. She was just down she there. She was just at there. That show. Okay. Which another one this is closer. I can't remember if I said hi to him. I think that I did. I went to a Game of Thrones press event Ooh. in San Francisco. I was a plus one for this <laughs> nice. I wasn't even invited. But I wound up sitting right behind, like um, I'm forgetting all their names, uh, uh, Arya and Sansa and George R. R. Martin. Oh wow! Were like right in front of me, so I did get to watch the premiere of like season four or five of Game of Thrones, sitting directly behind George R. R. Martin. So I'm gonna say that that counts. That totally counts. That's very cool. Yeah. I was like, I tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, dude where's winds of come on buddy you just, like you just they're gonna finish the show and you were like, come yeah, on. I'm like get right i'm like at this rate they're gonna finish the show before you finish the books and that'll probably be a disaster and he was like no it'll be fine i'll finish it well, yeah. look how that turned yeah. out <laughs>
0: uh 43 tv show or podcast that you love
1: but you don't think anyone else knows about okay I'm not going to say anyone else because I know some people know about this. I would say that this show is unknown, which it isn't. But um, a podcast that I really like that is newish and that some people might not know is called Just King Things, Ooh. which is a podcast about Stephen King. Oh. And it's, uh, it's good. It's hosted by um, Cameron Kunzelman and Michael Lutz, who are two smart critics. I worked with Cameron. He's written for Kotaku and Vice and a bunch of places. Uh, both really smart guys, and um, I recently guested on an episode of theirs about the Stand mini series, the oh. ABC one from the 90s. Super fun. Um, but they are doing basically one Stephen King book every month, and they're going through his entire um, bibliography, wow. including uh, the, uh, whatchamacallit, the, the pen name books, whose name I'm forgetting right now, even though I was just listening to them. What's the guy's name? Richard? No. Uh, Richard Bachman. Oh. I, Richard, I had it right. The Bachman books. Um, so they did, like, some, like, Rage, which you can't even read anymore, apparently. Like, you can't get that, because huh. it's kind of about a school shooting, and he's sort of disavowed it. Oh, interesting. So um, it's really good, anyways. It's really nerdy, um, but that's fine, right? I'm a nerd. Uh, they're nerds. Yeah. And it's it's just a deep-dive critique analysis of his books. And what they're doing that I think is really cool is they're really teasing out the details of, like, the broader Stephen King universe. Because you know how, like each book is its own thing but then there are these crossovers and these threads that connect them and then of course eventually it goes up its own ass in the Dark Tower and like <laughs> was never heard from again but like it's still cool like the way that he builds these worlds and has like the shining ability turns up multiple times in different ways and different towns like will appear you'll hear about dairy in one book and then in another book and then learn all about it in It so um, it's a great podcast it's called Just King Things it's very easy to find and uh, I really like it I feel like more people should listen to it I, I might have to listen to one or two myself
0: i like That's that good. uh 44 favorite comedian
1: this one's this one's tough sometimes you pick a comedian and then they like get completely canceled and then you're like yeah uh i'm gonna say jane lynch jane lynch is one of the funniest people Aww, on the face of the planet she's fantastic i could she's just incredible it would be scary to try to do like an improv scene with her because she's so ferocious <laughs> like i feel like her intensity is a lot but she's fun to watch
0: yeah uh 45 best saturday night live cast member
1: dana carvey gotta go dana carvey just because when the church lady played drums it was like the greatest thing i'd ever seen when i was a kid i was like (laughs) he's really good at drums (laughs) like and uh that was just very funny time i mean anytime dana carvey plays drums rules but uh (laughs) i gotta say dana carvey he's the best
0: I was gonna say, is it because he knows piano too? <laughs> yeah, he's a he's a great That's, musician. A few of those yeah.
1: guys. You know, Chevy Chase, great musician, kind of a prick right? apparently, but an amazing musician. Yeah, oh. I just did so I just did a strong songs about Steely Dan. And a fun fact about Steely Dan is that Chevy Chase played drums with uh Walter Becker and Donald Fagan in their first band when oh. they were in school. They were at call uh, whatchamacallit in New York and they had a school they were called like the very bad band or something like that (laughs) those guys have been ironic since the beginning and they were he was never in steely dan but he did play drums with uh with them then and yeah apparently he's like he's a he's a really good like piano player he's kind of a got one of those amazing brains that can like i think he has like absolute pitch or something or like musical recall he can sort of like just play music and get stuff so yeah not the nicest guy in the world but very unusual uh intellect and and mind
0: wow fascinating Hmm. Uh... um
1: 46 what's the nerdiest thing you've done <laughs> this, this is like i feel like everything i do is can the answer just be my entire music podcast i um, mean it's pretty nerdy uh no okay wait i but i i have a good one um i diagrammed the entire plot and character structure of everybody's gone to the rapture <laughs> that video game oh wow <laughs> and wrote a like Probably forty thousand were maybe not that many. Article for it's still on Kotaku. Um, it, the headline is something like "What Happened and e- Everybody's Gone to the Rapture," an explainer. And it's just me being like, "Well, I have pages of notes because I became weirdly obsessed with this game. This is a game for those who haven't played it. It's one. It's a you could call it a walking simulator. It's a game where you walk around an abandoned English country town, beautifully rendered, and yeah. you learn why no one's there, which is tied to this alien." event this light this pattern that leads to like is it sort of the end of the world maybe an extinction event or something like it have you played this game bob yes yes i have it's a wonderful game beautiful score by jessica curry holy crap the music is amazing it's made by the chinese room they made like dear esther and some other stuff um so i really liked this game when i played it more than i like that kind of game in general but i really really liked it and then I became really into the story because it's kind of told out of order. You really have to pay attention, learn all the voices if you don't have subtitles on and like get what's going on to understand it. Because it's just like the little weird personal intricacies of these people. And um, that is kind of the game is it's not really about what happened in this big, cool kind of loss. It feels kind of like lost, like a lost mystery, which is part of it. And that's the hook but the real meat of it is sort of did so-and-so cheat on so-and-so whose child was that? Like, did she find peace or did he forgive or did she forgive him? And like, you can only really follow that stuff if you really pay attention. And it wasn't until the second time through that I got it. But I got so into it. And I like wrote these huge, unbelievable notes that I still have somewhere. And I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm just going to write. And this was at a point I could talk where I could kind of do whatever I wanted. <laughs> so I was like, Stephen Totillo, I'm writing this article. And I wrote it. And I remember it underperformed traffic-wise. But now it has a lot of views. Because it's kind of the only thing that comes up if you Google... Like what happened and everybody's gone <laughs> to the rapture, which like not a billion people do, but like a couple hundred thousand people have done, and like oh, yeah. it does explain the whole thing and lay it out for you. And so I'll occasionally still get emails from people um, who will be like, "Hey man, <laughs> like I just wanted to say thanks for the article because like I couldn't find anything else about this game, and you are a weird. You became weirdly obsessed with you know <laughs> articulating and sort of diagramming the whole thing. So I'd say that's maybe that's maybe the nerdiest thing I've done among many. Many very nerdy things <laughs> that I've done in, in a my time sea of nerdiness. Yeah. That's the
0: the iceberg that stands among sure. them. <laughs> uh, Forty-seven
1: least favorite state. This is tough because I feel like I'm going to offend someone no matter <laughs> what I say. But to drive through, I'd say it's probably Kansas. I did a road trip from Indiana, where I grew up, out west once, and driving through Kansas was a real bummer. <laughs> there was just yeah. nothing there. So a uh, good band, but uh, not a great state <laughs> to drive through. Kansas. It's fair. Uh, 48, best thing you've ever won. Hmm. Uh, I recently won a bet against Jason Schreier, my Kotaku, or at the time, Kotaku split screen, now triple click co-host, uh, where uh, we made predictions for the year. This was a couple years ago. And I won. I, made, I got more correct predictions than him. And as a result, he Ooh. had to play Bloodborne. <laughs> and he took it as this. He, like, oh my god! I got to play this game because he'd never played a FromSoft game before, but now he's totally obsessed with him, and he like loves Bloodborne. And so it was a good feeling to win a bet and make somebody play a game like that that they then fell in love with. And now you know it's something we talk about all the time. Like he'll be playing, whatever the Demon Souls remake, and we'll be you know nerding out about strategies and stuff. So I'll say that's the thing I liked that I won.
0: Oh. Huh. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, 49, is there anything
1: you've had a collection of or collected? Okay. I have a collection of nutcrackers, like the wooden nutcrackers, because when we were kids, we liked the nutcracker. We would go see it at um, uh, Indiana University near where I grew up. They would perform the nutcracker every year with some pretty amazing, you know, it's a great music school there, and they would perform with some pretty amazing dancers. So I came to know the nutcracker very well and as a result our parents would get us a nutcracker each year like under the tree there would just be a new nutcracker Mm -hmm. and i kept them they sent them out to me so i have this now like collection of like 15 nutcrackers or something from however many years and i didn't realize that this was a kind of an unusual thing to have a collection of for a long time um but then i think i just had them out or I, i put them out when i when i was first in my own apartment up in portland And I was like, okay, well, I need some stuff to decorate. And I have these nutcrackers. So then they were just kind of out. And then I was kind of like, does this make me look like a serial killer? (laughs) Like (laughs) That it's, you know, June and I just have this huge row of nutcrackers out. So I don't do that anymore. But I do take them out uh, during the holidays. And uh, that's that's the thing I have a collection of. So I have a collection of vintage wooden nutcrackers.
0: (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Oh, boy. (laughs) Question 50. Dubbed the Ryan Davis
1: halfway there
0: halfway you're in a fight to the death it's the last of the fighting questions i swear you're <laughs> in a fight to the death with another person equal to your size you're offered either an aluminum baseball bat or six inch non-serrated knife knowing the other weapon you don't choose goes to your opponent which do you choose knife mm-hmm. or bat
1: yeah first of all this is a terrible scenario to imagine <laughs> it's <Correct>. very stressful <laughs> um i thought about, about this so I've thought about this one because the knife is the better weapon. Like it's the deadlier weapon, mm-hmm. but the bat has more reach and I'm more familiar with how to fight with a bat. I think even though you have to wind up and I think that's probably, that would probably get me killed in the end. Cause like the need to wind up the bat leaves you so open. And if yeah. someone just runs at you with a knife and like falls on you and starts stabbing you, I think it's kind of over and I don't think there's almost anything you can do with the bat Unless you're like really know how to fight with a bat, yeah. I hate having to think about this scenario. It's so scary. <laughs> um, so I, 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 I'm really torn. Like, I think I would win more likely with the knife because even if it's a guy my size, I just run at him. But the thing is, do I really have what it takes to charge at someone and then stab them a bunch of times with a knife? Like, Jesus, <laughs> that's a really like, that's like a traumatizing way to kill someone. Let alone oh, to yeah. be killed. So. I guess I'm going to say the bat in the end because there's more ways you can fight with it. You can kind of jab with the base of it. You Mm -hmm. can disarm with it. You can hold it and use it to block the knife. It has more reach. Even if you're not doing a baseball swing, which I think would be a classic blunder, if you were trying to fight with the bat, is to try to really wind up and swing. I think you'd be better off holding it in the middle and then just, like, Fighting with it kind of that way, but it like a bow staff, almost. It's a little bit, yeah, like a, like an uneven bow staff. I would be like Donatello, not like a Raphael. In this fight, my my real answer is I think Donatello would be Raphael. Um, I that's where the heart of the question that's really really is really where it's at. Um, but the truth is, I would just die and lose this fight. And I guess I would it would matter what I chose, but I would I would try for the bat. I think the bat.
0: Don't you? Worry. We've got plenty more with Kirk coming up right after this break. Let's just take a minute, drink a little water, stretch out a little bit, roll your shoulders. Let's just all relax. And while we're relaxing, I'm going to tell you that the song that's playing right now is from the Mini Vandals. And the song you're going to hear next is from DJ Williams. The song over at the opener is Diala. And the song at the closing is going to be Single Friend. All these are lovely royalty-free artists who have just done a heck of a job. But if you feel like relaxing the most, what's more relaxing than giving me a five-star review? Over on, uh... Well, wherever. Or I suppose you could relax in a t-shirt at tiny.cc slash 99Q. But, uh... Let's get back to the questions. Yes. Uh obviously you are known for, as I mentioned up top, uh, Triple Click video game podcast with some wonderful folks, uh, Maddie Myers and Jason Schreier.
1: Definitely wonderful folks.
0: Yes. Um, and uh, a personal favorite of mine, which is Strong Songs, hey. where you... Absolutely surgically dissect uh, <laughs> a numerous numerous uh, popular songs, I would say, mostly. Yeah. But, you know, you, you, go, you go into a deep dive every once in a while. Occasionally. Um, and it is absolutely fascinating to listen to. Uh, but I also know, uh, a rumor tells me at least, that you're a bit of a musician yourself. I am. That is true. So my question here for you is, what do you think your influences are? musically. Cuz obviously you can be a fan of something and not have mm-hmm. it kind of soak into you and you want to do that. Mm-hmm. So what do you think is something that you listen to that is your biggest influence in how you actually play music?
1: Oh, well, that's a good question. Um I think I've I've been influenced by a lot of jazz that I learned when I was younger, just when I was really like a jazz musician cuz now I like play guitar and write music and whatever. Yeah, um, play a bunch of instruments, but so that'll always be there, just the harmony and stuff. But in terms of singer songwriters, when I heard Sufjan Stevens, when I heard um, Illinois, that album, mm. that really open something up for me i was like oh i could make music like this which is this sort of really elaborate theatrical sort of pop music with really big orchestrations and large ensembles i was like yes because i loved jazz arranging writing for big band and i was like i could take that and turn it into this so i've always had that and he's an influence for sure and paul simon also because uh i can kind of sing like him you know i don't have like a huge super powerful voice but i really like how he sings and how he delivers lyrics. Some of the new stuff I'm working on is definitely influenced by him just because, man, I I had heard Graceland so many times. I did an episode of Strong Songs about You Can Call Me Out, which is one of those songs people have heard a jillion times, but when you actually listen to it, and my God, that song rules. And that (laughs) album, oh, rules. It's one of the greatest albums. Like, There's a reason that it's like a cliche to be like, Graceland is my favorite album. But it's so good. And when I really sat down and listened to it as a sort of more mature songwriter, and just was like, "Dude, everything on this album, every sound, every recording, every idea is so good um that that is definitely an influence too, so maybe that's too, but jeez, there's so many every time I hear something cool, I'm like, well, I'm stealing that. <laughs> like <laughs> definitely gonna use that idea uh, so yeah i ah, I love it, I love it,
0: uh but hey, we got a whole we got a bunch a bunch we, more to go. We got a bunch more here let's fifty one What's your phone wallpaper right now? Let
1: me see. I think I know what it is, but I sometimes forget. Yes, it is a picture of my dog, Appa. Oh. My beautiful golden retriever. Our beautiful golden retriever. She just turned one. Oh, a a youngin'. She's a youngin'. She's kind of been a pain, but she's also wonderful. We love her a lot. We went uh, backpacking with her last summer, and I have a picture from that. Oh. She destroyed our tent. (laughs) (laughs) uh, Appa, I assume, named after... uh what is it, avatar? Can oh yes. Okay. One of the greatest TV shows. Okay, Remember? just double One check. One of the it. greatest animal characters in animated television <laughs> history after the Flying Sky Bison. Yeah, we it's funny. It has nothing to do with her. It's a male name. It like means grandpa, I think in Korean. I don't know. Like it has all oh. these other meanings and we were like, whatever. We love Appa. Cool. We're just yeah. naming our dog Appa. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> and um so we did we named her Appa and we love her. the reason you need, yeah. Uh, 52, what's the last thing you Googled? Uh, I checked this to be sure that I knew what it was. And the answer is Benin, a country in West Africa, because I was looking up Angelique uh, Kidjo and (laughs) I didn't know where she was from. And then I actually like, didn't really, you know, this is the thing. Like I was saying, I think there's a lot of ignorance of sort of actual African, especially West African geography, because there's a lot of countries and they're very close to one another. And I was like, okay, I'm going to look up where this is. So I did. And I now know where Benin is and uh, and that was when i googled
0: love it uh 53 you have to name your next pet without seeing them <laughs> what do you name them momo of course <laughs> also from
1: avatar the last Airbender. we're gonna have two pets it's gonna be appa and momo
0: makes a lot of sense to me mm-hmm. uh 54 what professional wrestler would you compare yourself
1: to This is tricky because I don't really watch professional wrestling. I know I'm an anomaly as someone who likes video games because there's this whole overlap between the two. And I actually do think that – like I'm not a person who dismisses professional wrestling. I think that it's actually really, really cool and the whole – you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff about it. My former boss, Stephen Totillo, would write really well about Mm -hmm. pro wrestling and and kind of – allowed me a way in to appreciate it so i don't know uh china the rock are those good answers (laughs) perfect (laughs) both of them why not uh 55 what's your comfort food on a bad day uh jalapeno kettle chips love them oh it's my comfort food on most days (laughs) but uh but certainly on a on a bad day excellent choice
0: just that little bit of spice makes all the the best they're the best
1: kettle chip the other ones don't even I mean, they're all good but they're the best ones the other ones don't come close uh 56 favorite smell fresh coffee it's got to be fresh coffee there's so many good associations with fresh coffee it's just a great smell Mm,
0: that's a great one
1: i can almost smell it now Mm -hmm. (laughs) make some coffee
0: 57 best candy
1: um so i was gonna say milk duds because Ooh. they are good and because uh, you can kind of suck on them and they last a long time which i find is an important trait in a candy because you have if you're playing video games that's a good time to have candy and like you don't want something that you've got to constantly be like eating with your hands because then you get your controller all gross so just pop it in there enjoy milk dud for for the next two to three minutes um but i'm actually gonna say it's reese's peanut butter cups because those are the actual best candy so that's the answer <laughs>
0: they're so good yeah, yes.
1: they're the best. Uh,
0: 58, worst candy?
1: This one's easy. Uh, licorice, because I don't like licorice. I know people do. If you don't, you don't. And I don't. So licorice.
0: No. Th- this question might as well be, say the word licorice, because
1: it's so far and far. Has anyone ever anyone. said um, licorice for 57, for best candy? No. Heavens <laughs> no. No, because who likes licorice? I would not allow them like... on this program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Yeah, red vines. Ugh. No, it's, thanks.
0: I mean, I'll have a Twizzler every now and again, but...
1: Yeah. Only I, if there's nothing else, and I really <laughs> want sugar.
0: Yeah. If someone offers me, maybe, but... Mm-hmm. Um, 59. What's a restaurant you'd recommend?
1: Well, there's a few in Portland. Kachka, there's a really good re- like Russian place. There's really good vodka here. Papalote in San Francisco. I think I'd say Papalote in San Francisco. If you're ever in San Francisco, get a Papalote burrito... They have great Mm. burritos, great salsa, really good stuff. I miss that place dearly. They just don't have burritos in Portland like the ones in San Francisco. I don't think they ever will. There's a lot of good food here, so I'm not really complaining. But Papalote Burritos, San Francisco, that's the one. Very high praise. I like it. Uh, Sixty, what's a food you've never eaten? You know what I've never had and that I always see people talking about is Poutine never had poutine and i know people talk about it all the time and that i'm either not missing much or totally missing out depending on who you ask but uh, i've never I've never had poutine
0: i i went up to toronto uh, a couple summers ago and yeah. that was the first place i had the, yeah the first place that i had it because it's kind of a canadian delicacy For in, sure. a, in, a, in a lot of ways uh it's real good yeah, I was going to say how how was it? It was good, but I mean, it's it's cheese and gravy and carbs. It's like, right, how right. can you possibly go bad? Like you could exactly. serve that in a exactly. shoe, <laughs> and I'd probably give it a four <laughs> out of five stars. You know, uh-huh, um, uh-huh. but yeah, worth worth trying for sure. All right, probably one day. Uh, Sixty-one. What's the strangest food that you have eaten?
1: Um, I think I ate pig's feet at dim sum once. Um, hmm. In Sa- this is when I lived in the Bay Area. And we went to dim sum at a pretty legit place and they had pig's feet and I ate it and um the we were with a a, a bunch of our uh, Chinese friends who are very familiar with what happens when you bring white people to dim sum and they were <laughs> thrilled that I ate the pig's foot. It was a it was a big moment because <laughs> I think no one really ever eats the pig's foot and I ate it. I'm um, not a big one for eating like the pig's foot. I'm not usually the guy who eats the pig's foot, but I was that that morning. And it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm. I guess I'm glad I had the experience. I don't know. You but, can yeah. mark
0: it off the book, you know. Yes. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, sixty-two. What's a typical day off? God, does anyone have days off anymore? I feel like. Yeah. When you're yeah. self-employed and there's a pandemic, you don't really. You just work all the time. Um. No, it's off the internet. Uh, reading a book, going on a long, like going on a hike with the dog somewhere here yeah. around Portland. Just not doing anything, really not doing anything musical, which is hard because I want to, you know, I like like to at least practice. But it's like you got to give yourself those breaks, right? I got to take a day and just be like, whatever, man, don't do anything. Read your book. If it's warm, get in the hammock. Take the dog out. Whatever. Like, don't do anything. So I would say that and get off the internet. no No social media. Social media is not for days off.
0: That's a, a good mentality that I wish I could follow more of. <laughs> uh, 63. What's a bucket list item
1: that you've accomplished? Okay. I would say that playing a large outdoor rock concert for thousands of people, which is something that I did Ooh. in San Francisco. We won a battle of the bands, and we got to be the opening act during Beta Breakers, which is this big race that's a goofy foot race that then ends in a big concert in Golden Gate Park. And so at this concert, we were the opening act. And there's a ton of people there. And we got to play. This was in my band, a band called Square Tape, that I was sort of my first rock band. And we performed and we were pretty, I think we did pretty good. And it was a lot of people, like they weren't there for us. It wasn't like we were like headlining for thousands of people, but there were thousands of people and they listened and we got to rock quite loud and that was fun and that that feels like a bucket list thing that i can check off so that 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 got that one done
0: that is tremendous yeah because there definitely are those kind of concerts where and i'm not saying this happened i don't want to over here you go but like there are times where hey the opening act I didn't
1: come for them, but like I'm writing their name down (laughs) in my phone to check them out later because this
0: is more impressive than I thought they would be.
1: It's rare, you know, and I'm assuming we picked up some fans from that. Like we were sort of we were only around for a few years, but uh, I do. I feel like being an opening act is a really difficult position to be in because no one wants to hear you. Like no one, you're you're not even there for a reason, but especially lately like in there's a great music scene here in Portland and I'll go see it's usually you know a friend of mine who used to live here is now on tour with a band and I'll go see them and almost always actually when it's a kind of smaller group of like really good musicians the opening band will also just be amazing so yeah. when it's on that scale it's almost always good and then when it's on a bigger scale you're almost like shut up I want to see Andrew Bird. I don't care <laughs> like who you are um, so it, it is very variable but being an opening act has got to be tough. Like if you're touring, I've always, you know, so I always try to give the opener my attention, but in this case, yeah, I think it was, it was cool. And we were mostly just psyched because it was like this huge stage and, you know, we got to get up there and do our thing.
0: That's awesome.
1: Uh, 64 bucket list item. You probably won't accomplish. Um, so I have, as I have now crested 40, um, I am never going to run a marathon. <laughs> I ah. I was a big runner for a long time. I've stopped running a while ago. I saw what it did to my parents' joints. They were runners their whole lives, too. And I'm more like, you know what? I'm going to be a walker. <laughs> I'm going <gonna be, laughs> to be a swimmer if I can ever find a regular pool to go to. But I'm never going to run a marathon, I don't think. And that does feel like one of those accomplishments that would probably be pretty cool to do. Uh, like if I you know could really like the training and the whole thing. But it's so hard on your body. It's so hard in so many ways that i just think it's never going to happen so i've given up on that one
0: yeah that's that's fair i've done a 5k and i feel like i'm about good that's enough enough. i get (laughs) it yeah uh 65 dubbed by previous guests the realist question of the Mm. bunch name of a friend (laughs) you don't keep in contact with but regret it
1: yeah this one is pretty real um I have a few of these. I'll just pick. I have a friend named Darren who I went to grade school and high school with. We were best buds. I had a great group of friends in high school and and, and when we were younger, just wonderful people. There was a whole group of girls that we were all that we had a smaller group of guys and a big group of girls, and we were all really close with one another and there was some like intergroup dating, but it was much more just like everyone was friends. Yeah. And I think I learned a lot about just like how to be an okay dude. From that group of people it was just it was a really special thing they were all really special we were all in band together some of them actually have gone on to be professional musicians um but all are just were wonderful people and then i i i was i'm i have been lucky with the people that i've been friends with because i also had a great group of of friends mostly guys that i was in jazz school with and i've stayed in touch with them but i've kind of lost touch with a lot of my high school friends um Just through sort of negligence on my part, I think it's like it's just hard to keep in touch with everybody and life goes on. And then you just kind of like I got off Facebook a while ago, so I'm not even on there. So I don't see anyone that way. And like, I don't think any of them really use Twitter. So it's kind of, well, I don't use Twitter anymore. So it's kind of like all of those nice little technological aids are gone. And my friend Darren and I were really close. There was this period of time where we would just write these big, long emails to one another. Mm. And I'll hear what he's what he's up to, but we haven't talked in a long time. And I have always think about emailing him. Just be like, hey, man, like, what's up? And then writing a massive email. And I don't know. Maybe he'd be like, this is weird. I haven't heard from you in like 10 years. But maybe he'd be like, oh, Kirk, hey, what's up? Who knows? But I do regret that. Um, and just that some of them have stayed in touch better than I have. And I'm like, man, that would be really cool to still be in touch with those people because I love them all. You know, they're like this huge part of my life when I was growing up. Um, It's just I sort of haven't yet. So I should probably stop telling myself that I'm going to and just like send the email. (laughs) It's a good question. I think it's a good thing to think about. I feel like everybody has some friends that are like that. And it's good to sort of deal with it or think about it because it it makes me want to write it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, the perfect opener. Ask if they played uh, everyone gone to the rapture. They so. <laughs> I mean, like, came, man. So like, do you have a PS4? <laughs> it's all there. Uh question 66. What's a game that makes you feel nostalgic?
1: What's a game that doesn't make me feel nostalgic? Um The Secret of Monkey Island makes me feel really nostalgic the music for that. I loved the soundtrack to that. I loved that game when I was a kid. Um Mass Effect makes me feel kind of nostalgic actually. Ooh. The first one for 07. That was such a crazy year, man. That year was BioShock came out that year. Uh Call of Duty Modern Warfare, which is like less my thing but it was still a big deal. Yeah. The orange box that was the year I played Half-Life 2 um and also wait, there's something else that came out in 2007. What is it? I'm forgetting. There's like one other maybe it's just BioShock. Um there's so much stuff from 2007. What a year. And that yeah. was the year I got back into video games after Sort of stopping when I got out of music school, I was like, I I don't have time for games. And so for whatever, five or six years, I didn't play anything. And then I got back into it. And I just remember I got an Xbox 360 and then um, played all these games. And I remember playing Mass Effect and being like, holy shit, video games got so good in the like six years since I last played a a game. It was just this amazing feeling. And I was teaching at a high school at the time teaching music. And I had these two students who were also into games. And I it was kind of the young teacher who wanted to talk to the kids about video games. And I have two students that I'm actually still friends with. They're now fully grown dudes, you know, yeah, um, probably in their like late 20s. Uh, and uh, they were like the one student came into his, his lesson. He was learning jazz flute for me. And he's like. Dude, have you played Mass Effect? And I was like, yes. And then like we're both just like, oh. And I was like, I finished the whole thing in a week, and we're like talking about like that final fight in the Citadel, and like freaking out about it. And I just I think about the experience of playing that game and being so excited by it, and I I'm very nostalgic for that period in my life. Like it was just this cool feeling of discovery and excitement around games and like what they'd become, you know, in that period of time. And it was like right at this sort of, you know, whatever. What's the I don't know what the term is. It's like the there was this explosion. Is it a Cambrian a Cambrian explosion? There's a Cambrian explosion of good games happening in 2007, and that was sort of right when I got back into it, and then that led to me writing about them and doing the picked whole a, thing. Picked
0: a good yeah. year to come back. I'm telling you. Yeah, I think
1: so. <laughs> I, I feel good about it.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, 67.
0: What game have you spent the most time playing?
1: I think just by the numbers, the answer is going to be Destiny. Just because oh. I played like more than a thousand hours of Destiny when I was covering it, I let myself become fully addicted to that game. And it was like, you know, it was for work. I was covering it for Kotaku, but still, I played too much. Uh, and then I, The Witcher 3 is up there because I played through that game almost three times. Holy cow. Um, yeah, I played it for review. I reviewed it for Kotaku and played it on PS4. And then I played it again on PC after it had been out for a while and all the DLC was out. Yeah. And, uh, God, I love that game so much. And then uh, I've been playing... I had a New Game Plus going that I kind of went back to after I watched the Netflix show. I was like, I want to play some Witcher. And I've been really getting into Gwent, finally. I like the version of Gwent in the game better than the, the like, standalone. standalone. Yeah, yeah, standalone's fine. But the one in the game is fun. Because it's like you're going around and playing against people in the world and, like, trying to collect their cards and stuff. Like, I like that meta layer to it Um, but really the answer is destiny i just played a stupid amount of destiny and i don't play that game anymore and i have no regrets no regrets it's fine i played i could have learned three other instruments in that time but instead i played destiny and it's okay it's okay it sounds like you're telling you're trying to reaffirm yourself more than anything else i mean kind of but i'm half kidding i mean it really is okay i think it's okay to spend a lot of time on things that some people would tell you are frivolous
0: it Brings you joy. I find no, yeah. yeah, you're not hurting anybody. No,
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, 68. What's something you built with your own hands?
1: You well, I built my whole home recording studio, or at least I arranged it. Um, I built a thing I used to do looping stuff on stage where I would like play a bunch of instruments and loop them you know yeah i guess looping was it was like more of a novelty in 2009 than it is now <laughs> now everyone has a looper and does it but i would do live looping and i um built a rig for my arm that was this like pretty sweet oh. kind of steampunk thing where the melodica you have know, the melodica oh yeah where you
0: it's like a the piano that you go into yeah, yeah yeah wait i'll get my oh yes
1: I can play some melodica for this. Oh, this this is is amazing. I have it right here. Here we go. All right. So that's a melodica. They're so cool. It's like the coolest instrument in the world. It sounds like a harmonica. You play it like a wind instrument. It has a hose that comes out of it. They're the best. Um, and I loved to use that thing for looping. I would like loop a guitar line and then play melodica over it and then play some clarinet. But I needed to be able to get to them all. So I built this contraption that isn't set up right now, but I called it the arm melodica because it <laughs> allowed me to mount this melodica on my arm. And it was like a strap that went around one, like, I think it was... a two straps maybe, and then it attached to my guitar strap, and there was Velcro, and then one thing was like a band that went around, and so I had the flexibility to be able to bring my left hand up to play guitar, but then there was just this keyboard. It looked sweet. (laughs) Like, it was like this keyboard is just attached to my arm, um, I, look, I look like a JRPG character. And yeah. then I could like just really quickly turn, and the hose was coming out of the guitar strap. So it was just right here, and I could just start playing and blowing. So I could get chords on that thing and then play some guitar. And um, and I engineered it myself. I like came up with this design for this thing, which is like I'm not that – D, like I'm not that handy with building stuff in that way, yeah. but I felt pretty good about it. I made it work, um, so I'll say the R melodica is. I haven't the patented R it, but I probably should. I'm sure people are hot to steal this idea now that oh. I've described it.
0: <laughs> I think it is absolutely brilliant. If, if, if I would go to this band, the Armelotica, it was
1: fun. I gotta, do, I got yeah, I gotta do some more live looping. Is terrifying, man, because you make one mistake and then it comes back at you over and over again. Oh, you know, that's right. I couldn't even. Um, I think a high I. Wire I think, act.
0: Reggie Watts introduced me to that. Like I, He's I is amazing, him, man. Oh, I he saw, saw use, him do got a show I the looper it. Oh, that
1: he uses. That oh, really? One. Oh, yeah, I've never that. seen him live. So you saw him live?
0: No, I wish. I, I, I saw him on YouTube, and oh, it was yeah, like, yeah, what yeah.
1: is what magic is he doing here? <laughs> he uses this thing. It's the boss. I think it's RC505, it's called. Because I've been like, building a whole looping thing. It's COVID. So I'm like, what? A, I'm not going to play with other people. Yeah. <laughs> might as well like play with 100 copies of myself. And... Um, <laughs> He is killer with that thing. That it lets you do so much cool stuff with your voice. If you just plug a mic in, you can do all these like effects and like loop them, and it lets you have five simultaneous loops going. That wow. thing is amazing, and he is really, really good at it. He, um, yeah. Man, Saint Vincent, she's amazing. Andrew Bird is another one of my musical heroes. He's an incredible looper. Yeah, I opened a show looping. They're, like one of the biggest shows I've ever done, a CD release party in like 2009. I walk out on stage with this whole big band. And I, like, just go. At the very beginning, when I'm at my most n- nervous, and it went fine. I think it's on, it's on YouTube. Um, and it uh, I think it's still public on my channel. And it's, <laughs> I did this whole thing where I, like, built a whole loop. I look back at that now when I watch that, I'm like, I cannot believe you did that. What were you <laughs> thinking? Like, start with something easy. Like, don't start with a friggin' high wire act where you're playing five instruments and, like, looping. And, man, um, but it's fun. And people like it because it's fun to watch. You know, it's a fun yeah. thing. So, our melodica. I was wearing it in that video, actually, I think. I had it on oh. Oh, yes. There's a YouTube video of me using the melodic. The song is called Happy Pants. It's just like a stupid melody that I wrote. It's just like a really catchy, dumb melody over this thing that then kind of loops over and over and over again. Oh, I can't wait to see this whole thing. I, I love it. I love it all.
0: Uh, where were we? Okay. Well, 68. Uh, 69. Best pickup line.
1: Okay. I have never picked someone up at a bar or in public, Really? And I'm now in a committed long-term relationship, so I don't see that in my future. I would say, though, that my, the best pickup line you could do – and maybe this isn't really the spirit of the question because you're looking for, like, are those space pads because you butts out of this world. Like, none of those are going to work. But um, I think, like, if you're a really attractive person, almost any pickup line can work. Like, if you just have the confidence and you have the sparkle in your eye and also have made eye contact with the person from across the bar and have been given the sort of signals, then, you know, you're probably golden even if you say the dumbest thing possible. I would say, though, a really good way in is if you can find a way to react to something that is outside of the two of you in the bar. Mm. Like, maybe a fight break Bruce broke out or an argument and someone left or like a weird, uh, weird song came on the radio is a little played or like someone dropped their drink or just something remarkable just happened. Even yeah. something on the TV. If you can find a way to react to that, that lets you get an initial sense of like, is there a signal from this person like that? It's okay for me to talk to them. And then just ask like a question about, the person and then actually listen. <laughs> that would be my advice. I edit so I edited our dating advice column. I don't give dating advice, but I edited a dating advice column for Kotaku for a long time. And um feel like that was usually the kind of advice I would see. It's like is you gotta you can't just give a line and then just go for it, you know, like all of that I mean yeah. maybe it, it works in a sort of narrow sense of works, but doesn't really. So I would say that but I feel like that's a good way in, right, is when you're like, man, this guy, am I right? And then the person you're talking to can kind of be like, huh, oh, yeah, totally. And, like, kind of you'll get a sense from that, like, all right, is this, like, maybe could I keep talking? And then it's like, hey, so, uh, you know, how's it going? Whatever. Like, do you, yeah. have you ever dropped a thing like that? It's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> and then see what they say. You know? So that's that's the best pickup line.
0: I think it's a perfect in. I think it's perfect. It works. It'd probably
1: work.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, question 70. Have you ever
1: had any good nicknames? I kind of always didn't get nicknames. Like, I I had a lot of friends who had them, but I never really did. I, my email address was khamiltoe at, (laughs) um like edgy or whatever when i was yeah. in school and i do remember that people pointed out that that was Cameltoe. so at times people would be like Cameltoe. so that was a nickname um, i don't know if it was a good nickname not but it was a nickname that i had and it was funny it was funny that that was my actual email address i didn't even realize it until someone pointed it out but um but yeah so i guess that was a nickname i had for a minute but no i, I kind of like you're either a nickname receiver or you're not and yeah. i never really got that many nicknames
0: okay fair outside
1: of Cameltoe. Outside of the, <laughs> the brief <camel> <laughs> Uh 71. Do you believe in love at first sight? I don't. I believe that you can have like a really great spark with someone when you first meet them and first talk to them, and that's really important. Like the, That first impression, there's a lot of, I think, subtle stuff or like, subconscious stuff that can be really an important part of attraction. Yeah. But love, no. I think love is something that builds over time. Like... It's just never love if you don't know the person, because you love someone when you know them, when you really know them. And, you know, I don't think that's really possible at first sight. So I would say no, I don't.
0: I think I agree with you. Uh, 72, what's a big turnoff of yours?
1: People who are rude... To waiters and service workers, hugest turnoff. I dated someone once who was rude to waiters, and I was like, "Oh, this isn't going to work." And it took a little while for me to know it wasn't going to work, but it was pretty early. <laughs> when went on a date somewhere, and she was just kind of rude to the waiter, like just kind of, you know, like like just not very nice. And I was yeah. like, "You're not being very nice to the waiter." Like I was just kind of noticing. I was like, "This is weird. Like, why not? <laughs> like, why not be nice to people?" And <laughs> and then of course, I know this is a, that's a fairly common answer because it's I think it tells you a lot about a person. Like. If you're 100%. rude to the waiter, to the person who's like bringing you food, and like you know, I don't know, like you're probably mean to a lot of people. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's uh, it tells you a lot about a person, and that is definitely a big turnoff for that reason. Oh, I, I
0: worked at a bar for five years, doing mm-hmm. every job: waiter, bartender, busboy, mm-hmm. everything in between. And yeah, you see some of those like yep. horror story dates and get it personally, and it's just like, mm-hmm. oh boy.
1: It's got to be tough when the one person is being terrible to you and the other person you can tell is mortified on your behalf. Like, they're like, oh, my fucking God. Like, and they, Or they don't know them well enough to say anything. But yep. they're just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, and they're kind of looking at you. Do you. Would you ever get that? Like, that. Like, I'm really sorry about this. All look? the die. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Or the person trying to overcompensate, like
0: my wife is always like this Like, oh, well, have...
1: yeah that's the worst people have to make excuses for their partners and or and it's the worst being that person ugh it's a terrible feeling yeah cuz now
0: you feel like you're the counselor in between these two and right. it's like what right. am i supposed to do that can really like, get me the, just, anything out of this so. you're like
1: honestly it's fine just like yeah just, just tell me how when you when want your burger cooked and right. i don't I'll care let like me bring <laughs> you your burger. yeah 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 uh
0: 73 do you consider yourself an artist?
1: Yeah, yes, I do.
0: Nice, definitive, an easy one. I like it. Uh, what's something you tried to cook and failed?
1: You know, I follow the recipes where we do those, the cooking boxes, like the you know the podcast advertising cooking boxes have been great in COVID. Oh yeah, I always follow the follow the recipes. So I. I don't usually mess up. It's been – Emily is very experimental. She's like more willing to just be like, let's see what happens. So there will be times where she's like, this is kind of a failed experiment. But I don't usually – when it's my turn to cook, I don't experiment. I just kind of follow the recipe. So I haven't totally blown them up. Can I say, though, man – that i think blue apron is better than hello fresh. <laughs> is that like a weird is this like i feel like podcasters never actually have opinions about the food <laughs> boxes because yeah. they're always sponsored by the food boxes so they're like hello fresh it's great i just got my thing and i made like delicious whatever yeah. and they're like blue apron it's so good you know i made steak and it was good but like we did hello fresh for a long time and they're fine like we did it for a long time it was nice but then we decided to try blue apron they're better i just i'm going to say i think they're better their food's better like it's like kind of healthier a little less butter and everything and like yeah. just more interesting flavors. It could be recency bias because we had, we kind of got sick of all like hell. Of, you run out of things from any yeah. of these services, yeah. start repeating. But yeah, I'm pretty impressed. That is an unpaid, completely just me giving an endorsement. <laughs> uh, that I, I do think maybe if you're thinking, if people are thinking about one or the other, Blue Aprons, pretty good. Blue pretty apron. good.
0: Now, unfortunately, this podcast is sponsored by HelloFresh. So all this, no, no, no. I'm
1: kidding. <laughs> I was wondering if you were serious because you <laughs> never know, know. A lot of podcasts, <laughs> sorry. Like, well, we're gonna edit that out. Sorry, buddy. No, HelloFresh is and It's actually fine. Like, it's it's perfectly good. Just preferably print <laughs> a little bit. Uh, I love it.
0: Um, ba, 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 Seventy-five dubbed the Ben Hansen
1: after the first mm, guest of this year's show.
0: Uh, what is the greatest piece of art ever made?
1: I mean. <laughs> That's an impossible question. The but most say, hyperbolic question ever. That's too right. ridiculous. But yes. I will say that kind of blue, sure. Kind of Blue, isn't it? it's it's a magical recording. Yeah. I did a whole episode of my music podcast, Strong Songs, strongsongspodcast.com, um, about about uh, So What, the opening track from Kind of Blue. Of course, if you're a jazz musician, you've studied this album inside and out. Everybody has. It's uh, Miles Davis, John Coltrane playing tenor sax, Cannibal Adderley on alto, Bill Evans on piano, Jimmy Cobb on drums, Paul Chambers on bass, uh, six of the greatest jazz musicians of all time. Wynton Kelly also is on one track playing piano. Winton's no slouch either. Mm. Bill Evans is great though on that record. Um, And it's just like you know it was an important moment in jazz but it's more that just they brought in sketches of all the songs so it was really loose just like you know it was the birth of modal jazz a certain type of jazz that I I won't do a whole Strong Songs episode now Uh, but (laughs) it was just it's like a moment in time where these people who were all just total geniuses came together and just created something out of thin air and it It exists like it was recorded and it's now an album that we can listen to. And as amazing as so much other art is, it's rare that a piece of art will capture spontaneity in that way. Um, Bill Evans' liner notes are all about Japanese visual art suibukuga, which is this like painting style where you have a single line on very thin parchment. And you just have to keep moving. You can't stop or you punch through the parchment. And I think it might be like there's more to Sweet than that. But it's a wonderful metaphor for jazz because you're always moving forward and improvising. And he is a really great writer. Um, and it's just like, I don't know, there's a lot of great jazz albums. But there's a reason that everyone says that's the best one. Like it's it's just got some special magic to it. And each of the individual musicians is just so brilliantly good. And they're in such an experimental place that it's just this, I could listen to it forever. Like, I could listen to it a million more times and not get sick of it. So, kind of yeah. blue. Uh,
0: brilliant. I, I truly don't think I would have made it through college without having that as my s- oh, man, yes. s- background, like, yep. homework, studying. I need something in the background here. Mm-hmm. I, I listen to all those tracks, like, a yep. hundred times. It's like a just really good perfect. album for that. Yeah. yeah uh 76 have you ever had something happen to you you'd consider paranormal
1: you know not like a ghost or a ufo or anything um but there have been times and i wish i could remember a particular time there have been times where a coincidence happens like Mm. that's just too ridiculous You know, and I'm sure everyone has had this, the really uncanny thing where you talk about something and then it happens, then it happens again. And then like whatever, like a lyric about it in a song you've never heard before plays. And then that night on TV. And it just like, it's like six things stack on top of each other. And you're like, what the fuck is going on? Am I in the Truman show? Like, is the Matrix glitching? Like, and you really start to feel freaked out. And I can't remember the particulars, but that has happened to me a few times where I'm like, all right, I mean. There are layers of this existence that defy human understanding, and like sometimes those things sort of underline my overall belief that like of course there are things that we don't understand because there always have been, there always will be, yeah. And that and and that feels paranormal to me in that it's like outside of what we call normal. So maybe that
0: counts. I adore those kind of moments, like thinking yeah. back on like the butterfly effect of things yeah. that had to happen for all those.
1: Yes, and uh, yes, it's, it's, I love it. It kind of messes with your mind. It makes you feel very small but in a cool way.
0: Yeah. Uh seventy-seven. Would you ever use a Ouija board?
1: Yeah, we I owned a Ouija board as a kid. So <gasps> yes. Of course. Definitely. Seventy-eight. Simply. Why? Why? Um because we're here. So we might as well. <laughs> I like it. Uh seventy-nine, if given the chance, when would you
0: time travel to? Uh, is this to visit or to live? I would say visit.
1: I'm going to say ancient Greece. That would be pretty mm. cool to visit ancient Greece. It'd been, you know, uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey, Hades, uh, whatever the one in, with, with the terrible name, Phoenix Immortals. Oh, right. A lot the, of yeah. Great game, bad name, um, or fun <laughs> game. Great, maybe not, but fun. Um, but I, I feel like ancient Greece is a really fascinating time. Um for for a lot of reasons and i would want to i guess have a babble fish or something that let me speak the (laughs) language uh but but yeah ancient greece that'd be cool to see that'd be
0: yeah excellent excellent question 80 have you ever made a sudden dramatic change to your lifestyle and stuck to it
1: yeah i do this sometimes actually like i'll just be like i'm gonna do something completely new and i always my my plan is i'm always like i'm gonna do it for a week and see how it feels at the end of the week and then if I like it, I'll stick with it. Um, I stopped biting my nails last year. That's huge. I chewed my nails forever. And then I was just like, I, I wanted to grow out my nails in my right hand uh, for guitar playing. And I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to stop stop chewing on them. And then I let them grow out. And then I eh, wasn't really into it. Like, I'm not that good at guitar and I'm not like going to be some flamenco guitar player. So it wasn't really helping my style of playing anyway. Mm-hmm. So I... I trimmed them, and then I was like, you know, I kind of got into filing them. I was kind of keeping them neat and foul, and I was like, I could just do this instead of chewing on them. And I kind of just decided, and plus Emily hates when I chew my nails because it's gross. Like it's kind of a gross habit. You're constantly sticking your hands in your mouth, which like (laughs) we have, as we've all learned over the last year, is not the most hygienic thing you can do. And so I stopped. Uh, I just sort of stopped. And it was a habit that I'd had for ever for you know 20 years or something and i uh stopped doing it and i haven't gone back I have very neat nails now that i keep filed and keep them tidy and it was actually pretty easy so feel good about
0: it one of these days i will have that willpower today yeah, yeah, is not that day but i will find it
1: <laughs> and it didn't really take willpower it was just sort of a decision i was like wow. well there's other things i can do than on my nails and i just kind of stopped so uh, yeah i hope i hope you find that and, uh, and stop at some point because right. it's, it's worth worth not doing you can have nice looking nails that would be nice, right? <laughs> yeah. It's not a huge thing, but it's sort of nice. You're like, Oh, yeah. look at that. You look, good. <laughs> look at them! <laughs> uh,
0: 81, what game show, past or present, would you love to be contested on?
1: It'd have to be The Price is Right, just because like, I watched so much of it as a kid, and I know the ins and outs of every game, and it's like high pressure, but not that Like, It's not like who wants to be a millionaire or something, where you're like on the hot seat or where somewhere you have to debase yourself. It would just be like... Just guess the price of things, and then you yeah. get some stuff. So, yeah, price is right. Great theme music, too. Oh,
0: Phenomenal. 82, what's a quote that you love?
1: Um, okay, I wrote this. I'm going to write this down to get it right. Ooh. Many shubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the belly of the slur that day, I can tell you. <laughs> that is a quote that I love. That is Lewis from Ghostbusters explaining uh, what happened when, I think it was the last time that Gozer... Rose, um, and he, he says it, it's the, one of the greatest, Rick Moranis one of the greatest line deliveries during the scene where they're like interrogating him when he's like rubbing the pizza on his face, and they can see in the little scanner that he's actually a terror dog inside of him, he has this demon in him Yeah, and he says, many shubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the belly of the slur that day I can tell you, <laughs> and it's just it rules on multiple levels. It's a great delivery, great performance, captures a lot of what I like about it, especially the first Ghostbusters because it's like Dan Aykroyd's weird obsession with this actual stuff and Tobin's spirit guide and the like way they invented slash didn't invent but just popularize all of these out there theories. Yeah. And it just has this commitment to this broader world where you don't know what a shuv or a zul is <laughs> like and what it is to be roasted in the belly of a slor, like oh it's like I think it's that like Gozer took the form of a slur and you know what a slur is and then yeah. when Gozer does turn up it's um or it's like the freaking Stay Puft Marshmallow Man like it's the silliest thing in the world in the movie <laughs> but that so who knows what a slur was maybe it was like the equivalent of a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man for whatever the Sumerian time yeah. period that was um, but uh, anyways I love that line and quote it uh, that and I guess it's like what Cats and Dogs live there's a lot of good lines from Ghostbusters it's one yeah. of my favorite movies ever it's Especially, very quotable that first one is such the perfect just like
0: you were saying it's the perfect amalgam of Dan Aykroyd's yep. uh, ghost
1: love and mm-hmm. like Bill Murray and, and Ramus just being like
0: no and we're also going to make it a comedy
1: <laughs> right and like them really understanding what's funny and like yeah. how Venkman's character is kind of like not into it the whole time and it works so well it's, it's, it's a nearly perfect movie that movie should never have existed. It's one of those lightning in a bottle things yeah. that just is like magic on every level. And uh, yeah, it's really good.
0: Oh, phenomenal. Uh,
1: 83, what's the best shirt that you own? Alright. Um, I have a shirt that I don't think you can buy anymore that they made... Right, I think it was right before Gawker, where I used to work at Kotaku, was destroyed by Peter Thiel and Hulk Hogan in this whole travesty of justice Mm. that has been very well documented on the internet and that was infuriating to live through. And we made these shirts that just are like the the Helvetica and shirts. And it's just like Gawker and Deadspin and Jezebel and Kotaku and Lifehacker and Jalopnik. I think, I hope I didn't leave any out. And it's like just all of the sites that were there at the time. And then... Since then, Gawker was destroyed by Teal, sold, bought by Univision. com was shut down. It's been a whole shit show. Then they were sold by Univision. Everybody's left. It's a shell of its... It's so tragic what happened. Yeah. But that shirt, like, stands as this, like, testament to what those sites were, which I know a lot of people, like, hate them for various reasons, but they were important and good, and the people who wrote there were awesome and, like... It sucks that they don't exist anymore, even though those writers are all still out there causing trouble in mostly good ways. Um, and so I love that I own that shirt. It feels like a piece of history that I was like a part of, like in a kind of tangential way, like I was there. But I wasn't like at or Gawker. We weren't the cool kids. We were Kotaku, but we were there. And it was like we were still all going through it together. And um, it was a wild thing to go through. And I was very proud to work with all those people when I did.
0: Oh, That's fantastic uh 84 would
1: you change your middle name i would not my middle name is carlson that's my mother's maiden name and uh no to honor my mother i would keep i would keep her middle name i like it uh 85 what's a good impression you can do i don't do good like spoken impressions but i do really good written impressions of video game pr speak and like dev speak (laughs) like like, I can do an interview of, like, a kind of puffed-up game developer giving an interview about how great their project is. Yeah. Like, I'll be writing it, and I and it's, like, uncanny. Like, anytime I start doing it, like, Maddie always is always mildly freaked out because she's like, you're too good at this. And it's just because I've read a lot of that stuff, and, like, it's really fun to write in those kinds of voices. So I would say that I can do a very good impression of a, like, full-of-himself video game developer. <laughs> That's so niche i it is adore niche. it so much. it is but you know you you spend eight years working at kotaku and you encounter a lot of that type and yeah you you learn that way of speaking for sure <laughs> a lot of the words groundbreaking and living yeah game yeah and all sorts we're not of... talking about that right now etc
0: <laughs> yeah oh gosh amazing um 86 is there a tattoo you wanted to get but are glad you didn't get
1: no i don't have any tattoos and i've always thought about getting one um I've always respected the approach of like when you go through a major life transition getting a tattoo to mark the occasion. I really mm. like that. But never done it. So don't have any tattoos. And I never thought of like came really close to getting one and then I'm glad I didn't. So no, there aren't any.
0: Gotcha. Uh eighty seven, how would
1: you describe your sixteen year old <laughs> self? Um I would say I was naive and well intentioned <laughs> <laughs> i I really wanted to be the best the best I could be, despite you know the various things I was ignorant of at the time
0: I think that's very well put uh eighty eight what's the worst injury you've ever
1: had um I broke a few ribs while riding my bike in San Francisco, crashed into a parked car, like lost control of my bike, going over some uh train tracks like some you know the Muni train. Yeah. And crashed in a parked car and didn't go to the hospital because I was an idiot and was also not really on good health insurance. And I had to go to the Game Developers Conference the next week. And it was my first year going there with a press pass. I was like working for Pace Magazine at the time and I was so excited. And so I went to the entire GDC, which wound up being an amazing week. I met all these people who were like my heroes and people who I'm still friends with now. And it was like my breaking into the industry and writing about video games. And um and I did the whole thing on two broken ribs wow. and just sort of because there's not that much they can do for your ribs at the doctor anyways. That's kind of what I told myself, which is true. I should have still gone, but um <laughs> I was just in a lot of pain and uh, kind of just suffered through it. And then I got really sick afterward, the way that you do after a convention, mm-hmm. uh, though. Maybe we won't anymore because no one will shake hands. Maybe we've learned. Yeah. And it won't be that thing where it's just like. Every convention gets everyone sick. But I got really sick, so then I had a fever and broken ribs and, like, a cough. Ugh. That wasn't fun. Yeah. So that was the worst injury. It really sucked. Not a great combo. Uh, no. No. Not at
0: all. Uh, question 89. What's a habit of
1: yours you want to break? All right. So I broke the biting my fingernails thing. So Huge. that feels good. Yeah. Um. Here's one. Uh. I've been working on my voice a lot Ooh. over the last three or four years i've been taking voice lessons and recording multiple podcasts basically all i do is use my voice and um i have really been trying well there's a few habits there i try to say like less um not that there's anything wrong with it it's a really versatile and useful word but there are times where if you overuse those kinds of words when you're podcasting as i'm sure you know you start to notice it and the minute you notice it then you can't Get away from it. Yeah. So I'm sure I've used it some when I'm being more casual on podcasts. I do use it, but I don't. I never use it on strong songs, for example. So that's one. But then one is actually getting my voice out of my fry, and oh. um, which I really struggle with. Um, I just for a long time I have the kind of crinkly voice that it just gets down there and the, the vocal fry is I'm sure people have heard discussed. It's a somewhat controversial thing. It can get kind of gendered and weird. There are just people who listen to podcasts where women are talking and be like, I don't like it. She talks in her fry and that's a whole separate thing. Yeah. But your fry register is a part of your voice and it's a part of your voice that people over can overuse and it can really tire your voice out. And I have a bad habit of going into my fry. I've done it. Some when we've been talking, plus i we've been going for a while and I'm, yeah. I'm getting tired. Um, but like the more tired I get, and especially when I'm not in a great place or I'm in a pretty good place vocally, I just kind of start getting down there. And when you're down and you're fry and you're talking, oh, man, if, if you really push down there, you get so tired. And so I'm really working on getting away from doing that and learning, working on singing really helps just lifting it up. Getting out of the back of the throat, getting out of the bass. And so that is a habit that I'm really trying to break. It's super baked in. Vocal stuff is tough. Talking stuff is tough because you spend your whole life talking and not thinking about it. You have to deprogram a lot of stuff. And that's been really challenging and frustrating, but rewarding when it works. And uh, that's that's a habit I'm trying to break. Uh, uh, phenomenal. Yes.
0: Uh, question 90. Home stretch time here. We're getting there. Have you ever lied on your
1: resume? I don't think so. I haven't used a resume in a while, but no, not when I was using a resume. I don't think I ever lied. I think I was, I was a truth teller.
0: Very nice.
1: <laughs> uh, ninety one, have you ever punched someone in the face? No, I never have. Not a super violent person. Definitely never punched someone as a face in the face, even when I was a kid. That may be like karate karate kicked my neighbor once. Right? <laughs> it was rat um uh, but I, I he was kind of being a bully and i i like did a karate kick and he fell over and i was like whoa it worked <laughs> <laughs> who didn't see that coming it worked um, you know when kids fight i feel like they don't really know what's gonna happen oh yeah, absolutely not <laughs> uh so yeah but no never punched anyone in the face That's thankfully cool. yeah true uh 92 would you ever go to a nude beach yeah, probably. I think it'd depend on who I was with. The context would matter. Yeah, not just by myself. But I, yeah, I would. I think I'd go if it was like the right vibe and the right company and, and the right beach. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Exactly.
0: Uh ninety three. Somehow not the realest question. When was the
1: last time you cried? I cry all the time. I feel like this is, <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I cried laughing at the video of the lawyer with the cat thing oh, on classic. A zoom call yeah I, I maybe this is old and i just now saw it but i was like absolutely losing my shit <laughs> um emily and i watched together and we were both just like laughing and we just put it watched it over and over again and i was crying laughing um and then i cry at almost every like sad i cry when things are happy like in movies you know more than when they're sad mm. though you know i don't know like bing bong and inside out is probably the saddest thing i've ever seen in a in a movie but uh, no uh ted lasso have you seen that show no, but I've heard so many good Dude, things. It's so friggin' good. You gotta watch it. Just get the You can get the Apple like demo week. Just watch. Because you'll, you'll watch the whole thing in like two nights. Okay. Um, it's so good. It's like the most like affirming, positive, great show. Oh. And it's it's just very moving and beautiful. And it made all of us cry <laughs> plenty of times when we were watching it. Um, it's really it's just touching and wonderful and great. And yet you gotta watch it. Everyone has to watch Ted Lasso. It's just <laughs> especially right now. Everyone's like so kind of stressed out and alone and sad and. It's the best thing. It's just a great show. Oh, plus,
0: I love Sudakis. Like, there's no reason. I... Oh
1: my God, he is like, yeah, everyone on it. It's so good, man. I can't even <laughs> begin. We just we talked about it recently on Triple Click. We were all because Maddie just watched it and we were all just like, how is this show good? It's based on a commercial. Like, <laughs> yeah, it should have been terrible. Like, it should have been like the Cavemen show, and instead, it's like one of the best shows I've seen in a really long time. Wow. So yeah, that, that made verse. me cry though.
0: Uh, ninety four. What's something you've done and will
1: probably never Damn. do again? I went to a three-day fish festival, oh. and that was that was sufficient. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I like fish; they're a cool band. I'd never seen them live, but I liked their studio stuff well enough. As yeah. I was a young jazz musician, I was like, okay, these guys are doing some jazz stuff. Fine, they're fine. Um, but I was never a huge fan, and I went with a buddy of mine, and it was an experience. And uh, I, you know, no need to go again. <laughs> but I, but it was enough fish for the rest of my life. Cup runneth
0: <laughs> over kind of deal. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I got gotcha. you.
1: Uh, 95, best compliment you've ever received. Um, I'd say it is when people say that strong songs made them pick up an instrument they used to play, Mm. um, which I kind of hear pretty often, which is really cool. Like I'll hear that from people and they'll just be like, you know, like I never, or I never thought I could play an instrument, but then this show like made me, I'm taking piano lessons now. And like the fact that the show got someone to like, Bring music back into their life in that way or bring music in their life in that way it sounds cheesy, but like it really is amazing because music is such a big deal to me, and it makes my life so much better that knowing that I could have helped people have a similar thing themselves is is really amazing oh. so that's that's probably it that's great uh ninety
0: six tell me a joke all right
1: knock knock who's there To. to who to whom
0: all right that's good that's real
1: that's very it's the best knock knock joke ever i can't even remember where i heard it but it's the best one ever um oh my god i think it's the funniest joke it's like a very specific like a specific sort of person thinks that that joke is funny but it's like the best knock knock joke Oh, uh, that's
0: that's very good uh, that's a good one uh, 97. 97 used to be a question that I wrote that just wasn't all that good. So I crumpled it into a ball, I threw it out the window uh, into a recycling bin and I replaced it with the listener question of the week. Uh, right. So if anyone listening has a uh, wonderful question that they want asked on a future episode, it's 99. And of course, that's the number 99 questions pod on Twitter or 99 questions pod mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Uh, and we actually got some really great ones here. So I'm just going to do oh boy. three rapid fire here for you. Do it. I'm uh ready. one from Michael Moran. Thank you Michael. Uh he said ask him what the horns have to say about the scene in Jurassic Park with the raptors in the kitchen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the horns say uh D minor 7, E7 seven altered, A minor, A minor over G, F major 7 sharp 11. They're into it in other words. They they're into it. Oh yeah. They have like some broader thoughts but they're really into that scene. Oh,
0: I love it. Um Let's see. I thought this one was interesting. And if you have absolutely nothing, that's totally fine. But Rafflepone right. says, how do you mic a xylophone?
1: Um, I feel like if this would be something like you'd be like, carefully. But really, <laughs> the answer is I would mic a xylophone with a pair of small diaphragm condensers, I guess, like SM-81s. I think a pair to get a kind of stereo sound from it. Or just a single large diaphragm condenser. I've got a 414 that I would use. I have a xylophone that I record sometimes. I'm oh, actually yeah. going to be using it on a thing I'm recording right now. Oh. That uh, I've been thinking about this question, so it's nice of um, username, whatever it was, to ask this question. Rafflepone. <laughs> Thanks, Rafflepone. I've been wondering the same thing. We'll see. I'll let you know when my next uh, video game cover is out on YouTube. We'll see. You'll probably see the microphones in the shot.
0: Uh, a little closer up, a little farther away. What are you thinking
1: with that one? Probably, or a little, a little bit little above. closer. I think I don't have a great sounding room, so like it's pretty dead in here. Um, Fair. I would say to the two. If it were a stereo pair, they'd be pretty close, kind of like maybe six to inches to a foot away.
0: Nice. Uh, and then we got uh, two quick ones from Greg Griffith, who was very excited right. that you were on this show. Oh boy! Okay, um, great. So I'll, I'll condense this one down because his question was, "What are your top three video game soundtracks?" But let's oh, say God. just just a you know one that comes to mind.
1: Uh, Secret of Monkey Island is one one of my favorites of all time. Uh, Undertale is unbelievable. Maybe Undertale. Undertale is like, come on. The fact that Toby Fox made wrote that whole game. I mean, I know he had help, but like yeah. that he made most of the game and then also wrote all that music. What like that guy um, is a freak of nature. So yeah, let's say Undertale. Undertale's what a great. soundtrack! Holy shit. And then
0: this one was too heartfelt for me not to. Uh, ask it but uh, again Greg Griffith uh, can you ask him if he has any advice for aspiring solo podcasters
1: oh man Um, be consistent I think that's probably my best advice I mean make a show about something that you really love like you gotta really be into it it's you know that that's an important part of it like don't pick something you think will be successful pick something that you like talking about But be consistent. I think it's hard. It can be hard, especially if, you know, like I had another podcast that I could kind of promote my new show on and like get some listeners that way. So it was like a nice way to not feel like I was ever in that place of 20 people are listening. And I'm sort of, it just feels like, why am I doing this? But if you are in that place, you're doing it because you want to get better at it. And because it's a fun process and like, just keep putting out episodes, like pick a scheduling, like, you know, a schedule that you can stick to and then just do it. Like, Tell yourself, I'm going to do this for a year. I'm going to do every other week or whatever, every week, and then just like do it. You have to do it because the minute you break and are inconsistent, you'll it'll mess with your audience because like the audience that you have built will like not listen anymore. I'm sure you you know what I'm talking yeah. about. Like consistency is super important, and then it'll also like you'll build up your muscles and your like skill at doing it. will just get better as you go, and you'll find that you've built a whole body of work over over a period of time. And so it's like. It's kind of the hardest thing, really, I think, for a lot of people is just sticking with it, even if it's been four months and you're kind of like, man, I, the audience isn't really huge. Whatever. If you if you like the thing you're talking about, you're probably having fun making the show. And then if you can be consistent, you'll eventually find an audience. Like if, if it's, you know, if the show is there and it's working and you're kind of making it happen. So be consistent uh, Is is my is my advice. You
0: hear that, Greg? consistency is key consistency is key i love it thank you everyone who wrote in wonderful questions wonderful questions 98 what made you want to be who you are today
1: um uh well i mean my parents and my teachers and my friends right it's like (laughs) It's kind of those three groups of people, like not necessarily in that order, but those are like, I love my parents and I was very lucky that like my family, my parents were together and I had a like good family growing up and they were supportive of me wanting to be a musician. Um, And not everyone has that. And it was really cool. And uh, I had a really great, a really great band director in high school. I did an episode interviewing her of Strong Songs. Um, and a bunch of really great private instructors. through They're mostly IU professors that I was like, lucky to get to study with. And those teachers also made me who I am. And then I learned more from my friends than anyone else. Like in music school, holy shit, like it, it you can't, it's tough because like people will ask, how can you learn music? And I'm like, well, get a private teacher, you know, do this course, learn this thing. But it's really hard to, so there's no substitute for have a group of musician friends yeah. that you can just sit around with and like play with and learn together and like bounce off of each other like find that which is hard to find like especially as an adult so that was like so formative for me just seeing these other people who were like so amazing at so many other things like that so that also made me who i am so all of those people
0: yeah uh, what a phenomenal answer and top of the mountaintop the titular we question are. 99
1: 99 what do you want to be remembered for? Um uh the music I make and the music I help people hear. Which they're mm. kind of the same thing, I guess. But I want I want to be I want. I mean I want to be remembered for the music that I write and make. I'm working on this album. And of course, you know what musician doesn't want to be remembered for their their direct art, but I'd be fine with it if, if I were remembered by some people just as like they listen to Paranoid Android and they're like <laughs> oh, yeah, that guy, Kirk Hamilton, explained to me, you know, he sort of explained what it is about this song and, like, what the guitar is doing and what chord they're using here. Or, you know, they hear Dolly Parton, and they're like, you know, I always didn't take Dolly Parton seriously, and now I know she was a friggin' genius. And, like, it's, what was that guy's name? Carl something? But, you know, like, but they'll maybe kind of remember in 20 years. Yeah. Or they're telling their kids, you gotta listen to, you know, Fleetwood Mac. Check this band out. This is why they're good. Like, I think that if if I were even not by name remembered, but just that... Part of my work carries on. That feels like enough. So that's 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 it.
0: I, I, I think that is a uh, wonderful thing to want to be remembered for. I think that you have, uh, just within the small segment of your audience that have reached <laughs> out to me for these questions, I think that will absolutely pertain to all of them. Because uh, I know so. they are huge fans, as am I. Oh. And uh, truly, from the bottom of my heart, Kirk, this has been uh, wonderful. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, Of course. It's been my pleasure.
1: I'm I'm happy to do it. This is very fun. (laughs) Uh,
0: Is there anything, anything at all you want to uh, put into the ears of our wonderful listeners here? Anything you want to plug, promote, whatever the case may be? Their ears are on for you.
1: Uh, I, yeah, I would say if, if, if some of the music stuff I've talked about sounds cool, that you should check out strong songs. That's my main labor of love these days. And, uh, I love making the show and it's going well and people seem to like it. And, uh, it's not just for musicians. You don't have to be, you know, you have to play an instrument to enjoy it. I don't think Um, I hear from a lot of people who like it and don't play instruments. So whatever your musical level, I think you dig it, but that that's my main thing. And then of course, triple click. If you like video games, I'm guessing some of your audience likes video games. Uh, yeah, listen to, a shot we uh we have a good time and uh and it's a a very fun show to make so triple click and strong songs i guess are my two answers and they're easy to find they're on twitter and on the internet you can just google them not not hard to, to discover either of those shows what
0: a treasure kirk hamilton everybody how great was he i wish i could talk to him all day i wish we could keep going But you know what time it is. The red light is on. We have to figure out what we learned here today. We learned that if you're trying to figure out what happened in Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, Kirk is still the first person on Google to tell you. Uh, Also, Google can tell you what Crab core is. Please Google it. It's a fun time. We also learned that Blue Apron is definitively better than Hello Fresh, thus making 99 Questions the bad boys of podcast advertising. Come at us, Purple Mattress. We learned the basics on how to make an arm melodica, which also just feels really good to say, arm melodica. We learned the college curriculum necessary to be a dancing lawyer, and that the Backstreet Boys in 1999 were just too darn powerful, real or fake. Now, if you'll excuse me, I gotta go put my ears on and listen to some good music for at least the next two weeks till our next episode. Thank you, and good night.